it's cool to be able to play this series. It's our first time taking a look at it. It's one that's very special to me, and it's a good retro series to be taking a look at. Yeah, we've already got a lot of people signed up for this one. We always try to do a heavy hitter at the beginning of the year to start it off, right? Yeah. All right. So in you say that you picked Lunar Nights this year. <laughs> I was going to say it. I'm glad you did. Yeah, we screwed up that year. <laughs> <laughs> You are now listening to the RF Generation Playcast. The Playcast is the place where the single banana and I, GreyGhost81, discuss the monthly community playthrough games selected by us and shared by a community of gamers on RFGeneration.com and social media platforms like Twitter. It is time once again for our year-end wrap-up. Rich and I will be joined by Dougley007 and Crabmaster2000 to rank our best and worst playthrough games and review the year of playthroughs that was 2019. We'll also give a recap of our December Wii Light Gun Game competition. The December episode is something we always look forward to, and we hope you're as excited to hear it as we were to make it. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and Podbean, or just visit rfgplaycast.com. On Twitter, I'm at rfgplaycast and Rich is at the single banana. Most importantly, be sure to log on to rfgeneration.com to discuss the games with us and have a chance to get mentioned on the show. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. <laughs>
If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! <gasps> My apologies to our listeners. I've been battling this cold for, I don't know, almost a week now. And it's completely crushing me. I thought I was over it, but not so much. Well, man, I hope you feel better. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's a long time to feel crappy. <laughs> yeah, and Sean and I have a little something special planned that we may talk about a little later on the show. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of preventing me from doing uh, a little bit of recording. I've already laid down a few tracks, but uh, with this cold, doing a little bit of editing on it, it's kind of sound funky if I uh, tried to record now, so... Well, I'll say your voice sounds fine, but I hope you can edit out all the sniffles. That <laughs> <we're already laughs> <dealing with>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Leaving the sniffles, it makes uh, for a character. Uh, well, everyone, welcome to the show. This is, again, our year-end extravaganza where we talk about the top five games that we've played in the Playcast this year, and then also answer a few other questions about some of our favorite and least favorite games of the year. Uh, you've probably already heard, we've got a few guests in the background. Uh, I'll introduce our first guest who has been with us, uh, I think this is either his third or fourth year on our year-end show, um, our buddy Dougley007, who plays all of our games. Hello, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's the fourth year, yeah. I just now just assume I'm going to be on it, so. Yeah, we had planned to record this possibly like early December, but we just kind of didn't get around to it. Had so much going on with our last show. And then uh, I got a message from Doug. It was like, am I going to be able to be on it this year? And I was like, yeah, of course, we're going to put you <laughs> on it this year. <laughs> He's feeling kind of left out. So uh, yeah, uh, sorry about that, man. Just us kind of dragging our feet. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> I was having a really bad day and uh, I just was thinking, yeah, no one likes me. Yeah, Look, I didn't get invited to do the show this time. <laughs> and our second guest, who you probably heard in the background, is the collector cast own Crabmaster two thousand, the guy who is king of the assholes, who points out all of my mistakes <laughs> every month. Welcome, I've been Crabby. laying off for the last few months. <laughs> have you been laying off, or have we just been so damn good that you just can't find <laughs> any mistakes? Probably more of the latter. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, Sean, high five, buddy. We've got another clean asshole this month. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so, Sean, let's go ahead and head into the concert cast. Yeah, so we got a lot of musical stuff going on. And, Rich, I don't know. We didn't discuss this before uh, starting the recording, but how much are we going to announce about that special project that we're working on that you alluded to? Are we keeping it close or we're going to announce it here? No, let's just announce it here because it's going to come out before this comes out anyway, so it'll oh, be okay. Cool. Well, so hopefully, maybe uh, some of y'all have already heard, if it's out by now, Rich and I did a Albums of the Decade special episode of the Playcast. It's a dedicated concert cast, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, Rich, I had such a good time listening to all this music. Some of it really took me back to a certain place in time. And I feel like it's something that both of us worked really hard on. Yeah. It's not a very well-kept secret that you do most of the work on this podcast <laughs> and I just kind of show up and I do some social media stuff and, you know, make sure the notes are in order and everything else. But you, you do all the hard work. 
But for this one, I really put a lot of effort into it. And I hope that our listeners find something to really enjoy when we publish this episode. And I'm hoping it's something that people will download and be able to listen to on repeat listens because we're going to include full songs and we approached it more as like a radio show rather than a podcast and i think it's it's going to be a real treat and i'm really proud of it so yeah it's really cool and you notice what sean did there he uh he praised me for doing the editing because if we get (laughs) sued for this i'll catch all the blame (laughs) yep No ads. Yep. No ads, nothing. We don't get any money from this. We just hope that our listeners will get a treat out of listening to some of this music and that hopefully if you like one of the songs that we play for you off of these albums, you will purchase these songs and help these artists out. And so that's really our goal in doing this, right? Absolutely. Um, Definitely support the artists. And I will announce now again, I don't know when this, when our listeners will hear this episode we're recording right now. But my next blog entry is going to be my top, I think, 10 albums of 2019. I'm still working on that. And again, just been so hardcore into music lately. It's just been really great. And just I'm listening to music constantly, falling behind on all my podcasts. I'm <laughs> not listening to any for like the past month or so. But uh, I'm going to publish a piece on the site about my top albums of the year. So that's the other thing that I'm working on that's music related. Actually, we were going to discuss, do you guys, Doug, uh, I'll let you go first. Do you have any picks for either your top album of the year 2019 or your top album of the decade? So um, I, on the opposite side, I don't listen to a lot of music. And with two little kids, I listen to a lot of kids music. So (laughs) ironically enough, I'm going to go with the top one for 2019 is that Baby Shark single. Oh, it keeps the <laughs> baby shark happy. song she of the decade. Cry. It's now my favorite song when she gets upset. So that one wins. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. For the decade, I, I did think of that one. And I really liked the uh, Cage the Elephant. I think it was the uh, from 2011, uh, the Thank You, a Happy Birthday album. It was one that I could, you know, sit down and listen to the whole thing. Um, but I, I, I really haven't bought hardly any music. Last month, when they offered the free six month of uh, Spotify, I even got a Spotify service. So, Rich, we're g- I'm gonna have to dig out and send to you. We're gonna have to put on the Japanese version of Baby Shark <laughs> because uh, that was the first version I heard. I heard it kind of by accident. I was just browsing Japanese stuff on Amazon Prime, and that was the first time I heard the song. And it's really uh, a cool version of the song. So, hopefully, we can get that into this episode. If you do that, you also have to put in the uh, 90s R&B version that somebody made of Baby Shark. That one's quite amusing, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just put different versions throughout the show. There you go. Just we'll do to, a mashup. <laughs> and we'll just troll people the whole time. thought you were going to say for your decade, let it go off the Frozen no, no, album. I, I was going to reach and this I, microphone and slap yeah, the no, hell no. out of you. <laughs> 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 All right. I appreciate it. All right, Kelsey, how about you, man? Uh, I'm kind of like Dougley. I don't keep up on the new music. I kind of wait for a couple of years and then talk to people about what I missed and go back for the good stuff. Um, yeah. so I don't have a favorite album of 2019, but my favorite album of the decade that I've heard is Judas Priest's Firepower. Yeah, it's, it's a great album. Thing. Like, I like a lot of, I like almost every album they've put out, but it's it's my favorite thing they've put out like 
like 20 years. It's really, really strong. You and I both got to see that tour live too this year. So that was awesome. Yeah, I got to go twice. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Sean, um, do we want to uh, disclose our favorite albums of 2019 of the decade, or do we want to wait? Of course, this is going to come out later, so I think we can go ahead and do it now. Well, actually, I didn't know that. So what I did, I have um, a couple like honorable mentions that didn't make either one of my lists. So I thought it's an opportunity to throw out even more recommendations. Okay. So for my album of the year, it's not, you know, it's not actually my album of the year because I'll tell you in the blog what that is. But I wanted to highlight an album uh, by Tina Shea. It's called Songs for You. And I'm not like super familiar with her music, but she had a hit song a couple years ago called All Hands on Deck, which was a song that I really liked. And if you're a fan of the more R&B hip hop centered pop music like the new ariana grande album give tina shea's album a listen it's really good and then for an album of the decade that almost made my list that i really wanted to put on my list but i there was two things going on one was that i couldn't fit it in in a way that i wanted to that felt organic to the other choices that i had and the other was that it's one of those choices that's like a mainstream side choice. And what I mean by that is one YouTuber called it the pop album that music critics are allowed to like. And that's Carly <laughs> Rae Jepsen's Emotion. And I actually do think this is one of the top albums of the decade. And it's just a really great homage to 80s synth pop, but it also just has its own flair. It's it's a modern take on the kind of 80s synth pop that I really like. And it's just a really, really great album. Great lyricism, great vocal performance from Carly Rae Jepsen. So those are two like kind of honorable mentions that I would say for the year and, and the decade. So that's how I approach that. Uh, what about you, Rich? You want to spill the beans or you want to just come up with something on the side? No, I'll just go with what I already have since you threw that big curveball there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't know how we were going to do this. So. Yeah, it's no problem at all. Those are great recommendations. I'll just go with my favorite album of 2019. Uh, I was actually listening to it downstairs as we were putting away the Christmas decorations finally. And uh, that is King Princess's Cheap Queen. Um, this is a band that I first heard on Saturday Night Live a few weeks ago. It was around Thanksgiving time. And uh, wow, just that performance completely blew me away and made me just dig and uh, find more music by her. And uh, it's fantastic. I'm usually not a pop fan, and I wouldn't really call this directly just pop music there's a little rock in it as well but um just a great album and it was my favorite of the year yeah not to cut you off but i actually went ahead and listened to this on your recommendation and i gotta say it was a real case of don't judge a book by its cover because when i looked her up and i was looking at the thumbnails of the youtube videos mm -hmm. and just the way she looked and what i was seeing i thought Oh, she's just going to sound like St. Vincent and be like some avant-garde, like noisy pop thing. But actually what I found was that she seems to be more influenced by like 90s R&B, like TLC yeah. or something like very smooth and just silky songwriting. It was more R&B than pop to me, which was a, a really pleasant surprise. And I also really like the album. So good recommendation. Well, thank you. I recall watching it. My brother-in-law was here 
and uh, my wife, we were all watching it together. And the thing that came out of my mouth was, this is the generation whose parents grew up in the like late 70s and 80s. And you can tell that there was that highly influential sound from those decades in her music, whether it be, you know, like R&B or even some um, uh, the more 80s pop sounds in it. And so that's really what drew me to it. And I thought it was fantastic. Plus, um, the song 1950, which is not included on this album, is amazing, especially the Saturday Night Live performance. She can play guitar as well, and she just tears it up at the end of of that segment. And uh, it's really awesome to see a musician with a great voice and then someone who also plays an instrument that, uh, you know, has a lot of talent. And I wish that would have been more on her Cheap Queen album, but, you know, it's still a really great album. And the thing about it, she's only 20 years old. And that just blows me away. I mean, the lyrics are so sophisticated that uh, it's quite amazing. I think everyone should check that one out. Do you want to know what my favorite King Princess song is? What's that? It's called She Is God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think you just wanted to say that word on the show again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I have to bleep that out. Thanks a lot again. All right, moving on. Uh, My album for the decade was an electronic band. Again, you know, I'm one of these guys who's, I'm more lyrics over sound, but uh, this album a friend recommended to me. It's a guy named Tycho, and the album is called Awake. And while it is an electronic album, what they did was he was kind of noticing when he would go to shows and stuff and playing all this stuff, you know, from a computer and people are just kind of standing around because it's not very interactive as far as a show goes. And so what he did was he hired band members for this album. And uh, it's just incredible, man. You just got to look up a live. There's like a live studio performance. And I can't remember the name of the radio station, but it's one in Seattle that does all these like spotlights on these musicians. And uh, the drummer is fantastic. It's just really cool to watch. This is sort of like an electronic album, but it's very like inspiring and like uplifting. It just makes you feel good when you listen to it. And anytime I would have a bad day, I would just throw this album on. Or if it was after work on a Friday, I would just like crank this album. And uh, it just took everything, all the bad stuff away. So uh, really enjoy it. And I, I definitely highly, highly recommend a listen to this from the beginning to the end. Awesome, man. So let's move into the concert cast proper. I'm going to just check with our guests, Doug or Kelsey, do either one of you, have you gone to any shows or scored any tickets since the last time we spoke? I scored some tickets, but I haven't gone to anything. Okay. Well, that counts. Kelsey, what'd you get tickets for? I'm taking my son to his very first rock concert and it's going to be uh, Alice Cooper in April. Oh, that's awesome. Oh man, that's great. (laughs) Oh, he's going to love it, man. I'm hoping he enjoys it. Did I ever tell the story about how I saw Alice Cooper? I haven't heard it if you did. Was it in Milwaukee? No. <laughs> no, it was back in New Jersey. I was I was pretty young. I was a teenager when this happened, but now this is no slight against the band Dokken, but at the time I was not into <laughs> oh, Yeah, well, don't slight Dokken, man. I got to just preface that because it sounds like I'm going to diss Dokken. A friend of my dad's like called me and he was like, "Hey man, do you like Dokken?" And I was like, no. And then he goes, well, what about Alice Cooper? And I was like, yeah, of course I like Alice Cooper. And he's like, oh, I got some concert tickets that I can't use. I'll give them to you and your dad. And I was like, 
why didn't you lead with Alice Cooper? Like, who gets shit about Dobkin? <laughs> so it was like, uh, I got to see Alice Cooper and a whole bunch of other like hair metal bands opening up. And again, no slight against Doc. And I was a teenager and just hated that kind of music. But it was like, Alice Cooper, baby. Like, that's what you lead with if you're, <laughs> if you're going for that. But uh, Kelsey, have you ever seen, seen him live? I have uh, like 15 or 16 years ago. So it's been a while, though. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's a great first concert for, for yeah. a young one. So Yeah, he'll be 12 uh, then, so I'm hoping it's a memorable one for him. I really need to get to concerts more often. I was going to say, the, the only thing I did musically, I took my daughter to go see Elf the Musical like a uh, at a dinner <laughs> theater. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. that's really cool. Yeah, I, I think the <laughs> last concert I actually went to that I can remember Oh gosh, it was almost twelve years ago now. So yeah, it was a while ago, and it was a it had live blues travelers and uh, collective soul, and it was playing. Uh, no, that's not a no, bad. No, it was lineup. really good. The only problem was, it was shortly after I had surgery, and I had uh, they found a cancerous growth on my kidney, and uh, so this was like a month after the surgery, and the bass was just killing me. So I got through collective Ooh. soul. Um, and halfway through uh, Blues Travelers and didn't get to see live at all. But, uh, yeah, that was the last concert I'd been to. Nice, man. Very interesting. Um, Rich, what about you? Any any new scores or shows you've been to? Nah, man, I got nothing on the uh, shows this month. I actually haven't seen any shows since we recorded, which is kind of weird because I was on a just a tirade of seeing shows. I think 2019, I saw the most shows in my entire life. But I am trying to keep that momentum going into 2020, so I did pick up some tickets. Um, I'm going to see Alkaline Trio and Bad Religion, which is a big show if you're a punk rock fan. Bad Religion, is, yeah. as they've been around since the early 80s. And Alkaline Trio is a little bit more recent. They're more from the 90s and 2000s, uh, kind of a serious pop punk band from Chicago from back in the day. And... The singer from Alkaline Trio is currently in Blink-182, Matt Skiba. So it'll be cool to see them live and see Matt Skiba live. I would have preferred to see Blink-182 in their current lineup, but I'll take Alkaline Trio. They're a really good band. I'm going to see a band called The Warning. Have any of you guys heard of them? No. 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 Pretty cool. They're a, an all-girl rock and heavy metal band from Mexico, and they kind of rose to stardom on some YouTube covers that they did. They did a cover of Enter Sandman that I, I actually haven't even seen it, but it turned out that like it caught a lot of people's attention and they went around and got onto TV shows and they ended up getting a record deal and they're a really good band. And I actually just kind of saw on Instagram, like here's this band called The Warning and it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, they look interesting. I'll check out their music and just ended up getting a ticket for it, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they're like live because their music is pretty cool. And I think you guys would probably like it because it's more hard rock, heavy metal-ish type of music, so check them out. And then uh, lastly, so this is kind of cool, as a, and this is going to spoil one of the picks on my albums of 2019 list, but as I was doing my research and discovering all these new artists, because you just go through searching on the internet, okay, best albums of 2019. So you look at like 50 different websites and you watch a hundred different YouTube videos and you take into account what kind of music does this person like? What kind of music is this outlet focused on? But one of the albums I kept seeing was Caroline Polachek. The album is called Pang. 
it's a really good, like sophisticated pop album. I really love it. And it's one of the albums that I've listened to like 50 times since I discovered it a couple months ago. And it's going to end up on my 2019 list. Uh, but as I'm looking at all these artists that I'm discovering for the first time, I just go to their website or go to their tour dates. And it turns out Caroline Polachek is playing the Mohawk in April. So, of course, I had to buy a ticket to that. So she was in a band called Chairlift. And Rich, I don't know if you've ever heard of them or if, nope. if you guys have, but they had a song called Bruises that was it was used on a lot of commercials. And okay. most people know it from an iPod commercial, I think. And uh, <laughs> you're going to make me sing because I have to like, I have to. Please don't do that. We'll just put the song on the podcast for God's sakes. <laughs> Rich, I always want to sing for you and you never let me. But it's a song that goes, I'd like to do handstands for you. I'd like to do handstands for you. You, you guys know that song? I don't think no, so. Cr- I hear a cricket no, chirping. No, but I'd like Hold to see on. you do a handstand. Mm-hmm. I'm doing one awesome. right now. Thank I'd- you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway she was in this like indie pop band called chairlift and they had that song and and when i heard that i was oh i know that song from a million different commercials but now she's solo this is her first solo record and the album is is more again more like sophisticated pop it's not that like bubblegummy indie pop from the early 2000s it's just a little bit more serious and i really like it a lot so gonna see her in april but yeah, that's it for me as far as ticket scores, and I haven't gone to any shows, so I guess that's it for the concert cast. But yeah, stay tuned or go back and check out the Best of the Decades episode and my blog, which should be up by the time you hear this for my top albums of 2019. Awesome. Let's go ahead and move into news and probably the biggest blip on the social media radar this past month was Mike Matei's tweet. If you didn't see it or don't know who Mike is, he's part of Cinemassacre with James, the angry video game nerd. And he tweeted, retweet if you agree. If you use the rewind feature that's now standard on many NES and SNES games available on Switch, you did not, by any stretch of the imagination, beat 
the gang. So this caused quite an uproar on Twitter to the point where Mike had to actually turn off comments. No idea like how this is going to affect their channel or anything like that. Probably just a flash in the pan. But I definitely wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this quote. So for me, I I think it's a good thing. Okay, here's how I look at it. Is that, sure, that's not how the games were originally designed. Originally, they was designed to steal your money, to make sure you bought it so you couldn't rent it. Made them hard for no reason. So they took forever to beat. You had to get good, as they like to put on on that there, Twitters. But I think if you can beat the game, you can enjoy the game. Who cares? That's how I feel. Like I still will play my old games. and I'm like, you know, I don't have time to get good at this. Where's my damn cheat? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'll get my cheat books out. You know, I'm still enjoying the game myself. If I get to the ending, great. Uh, I'm not in a competition. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy the game. And if a rewind or a save state helps that, so be it. Cool. Next, I want to hear from uh, Crab Master because, <laughs> Crabby, um, won't you give us an update on where we ended up on the NES challenge on the site this year? And then uh, I'd like to hear your comments on this. Yeah, so I actually agree with Mike. I just don't agree with the tone and, and kind of what he's implying, like underlying implying. I think everyone should play the games however they want to play them and enjoy them with whatever cheats or rewinds or anything else they, they want to put on them. But if I used to rewind personally to beat like Ninja Gaiden, I wouldn't tell people I beat Ninja Gaiden. That's to me like the equivalent of riding an electric scooter across a marathon line and saying I did a marathon on my scooter. <laughs> I, it takes away from the people who trained and, and worked hard to build up that stamina and, and do the run. Um, I'm not equating video games to athleticism. But I, I don't understand the need for someone to say I beat something by using alternate methods to beat it. But I still yeah. think you should enjoy it any way you want to. And I've enjoyed some of the rewind features. Like I played around with that SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. And the watch mode is incredible on it. I love playing these old games with different uh, kind of crutches. But I, I wouldn't tell someone I beat these games. It just seems weird to me. Okay. I did have a question, though. Um is saying I finished the game, does that feel more legit because they finished it? They may not have beaten it. I'd just qualify it with whatever. Like, I beat yeah. the game. I used to rewind on, you know, the last boss because he was really hard. Or, you know, I used an invincibility code or I level skipped or whatever. I'd just qualify it with whatever I used. The thing that I kind of picked out in this was the use of the word gatekeeping. It just kept coming up, you know, as far as this was concerned, you know, and... I don't know. For me, gatekeeping is kind of another one of those buzzwords that Sean and I talk about, you know? Big time right now. Yeah. And I just think it's used improperly. And I think a lot of people that were commenting this as far as being gatekeeping, and I'm not defending Mike for his comment, but I think we have to consider the definition of what gatekeeping is and look a bit more into it. You know, the question we really have to ask ourselves is what kind of power does this individual or entity have and what effect does it have on us? And yeah, I mean, Mike is YouTube famous, but does it really have a great impact on everyone in the gaming community? And I would say no. So I don't feel like it's gatekeeping in that sense. I don't know, Sean, what do you think? 
Well, I just want to say, first of all, that this is a great tweet. It's an A-plus tweet, and I <laughs> wish I had authored it because he took a controversial topic and worded it in a way that pissed off people who both agree and disagreed with him. <laughs> and he used this like kind of spicy language like you didn't beat the damn game. I right. think this is a top-notch tweet if I've ever read one. And it's <laughs> he deserved for it to go viral. And I'm not being facetious. I commented on it and retweeted it. I saw multiple people <laughs> doing the same thing. So he got the engagement that he deserved. Everybody should know my stance on this. We believe that, you know, you are your own gatekeeper. And I've said it a million times. The game is there to please me. And I agree with Doug. You beat it with cheats, beat it with rewind, beat it with your TV turned upside down, beat it with a blindfold on. I don't care. Enjoy the game. And so long as you're not in a competition, so long as you're not, you know, registering on some kind of official thing. Like for me, I just beat games and put them on the games I've beaten list on the forum there and I keep a Google Doc of games that I've finished or beat or however you want to put it just so I can keep track of what I've played and so I don't play the same thing again and waste my time or whatever. That's all there is to it. The games are there to please me and, you know, I'll play them however I want. And, and I agree with you, Rich, that like the gatekeeping aspect of it, it's all in your head. If you think that how you play a game <laughs> matters to Mike Matei. That's your problem. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a very good point. Well, if he wants to come over and play with me, that's fine. Yep. I'll play it how he wants. You know how I've do, been doing the Saturn, trying to play through all my Saturn games. You know, I've got a family. I, if I get stuck, I will cheat, but I won't put my time on like how long it took me to beat. I will notate my times on there if I finished a game without any cheats or anything like that. So, I mean, that's how I kind of do my own little gatekeeping. I will put it on my list as finished once I see the ending of the game, no matter how I got there. Now, what I always tell my viewers whenever I have somebody come in and say, hey, you're cheating, I'm like, well, pay me. If I can do this full time, I promise I won't do any cheats, and I'll go back and replay all the games I cheated on. Just make this my full-time job, and I'll be happy to do that for you. I think the best thing that came out of this were the replies. And uh, I know, Sean, you put one up, and I put one up. It was something to the effect of, if you stop to eat a snack or do a bump of Coke, then you did not beat the <laughs> damn game. Yeah, I thought of um, when we were younger, and some some of the games didn't have passwords or save batteries, and you would leave the game right. paused overnight. Well. Did the developers intend for you to do that? You were supposed to beat that game in one sitting, <laughs> Chief. So did you really beat the damn game? <laughs> and that's one of the things that was cool about the virality of this tweet is that people were coming up with all kinds of scenarios. And, you know, there were so many things I could think of. And I, I even I thought about um, the uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, uh, the game I played and talked about a little bit last month. There are parts of the game where it's almost impossible to complete that game without using command line cheats. And it's like, what do you want me to do? Just stop playing the game and give up? Like, I just put 20 hours into this game with this awesome story. And I really need to just no clip through this door to progress the game. And, uh, you know, you're going to tell me that I didn't beat the game if I do that. But again, that, that would be my problem if I took that seriously from just some tweet, you know. But that's just an example of one of the 
scenarios that popped into my head and there were just so many which was just awesome and provocative so well it's not international news but i did want to point out a big accomplishment that one of our site members had one of our site directors and good friend adam goes by bigman 2k actually finished his virtual boy collection but he had a little help from his friends right crabmaster oh yeah everybody pitched in I know a good bit of us pitched in, Sean. I know you pitched in, and yeah, it was um, just a great thing to see. He caught it on video. It was part of his secret Santa that Bill sent him, and uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to him and just say congratulations, Adam, on completing that set. I don't know if he has any other completed sets. This might be his only one, but uh, keep going, man. It's a lot of fun and uh, really happy for you. Yeah, it was really cool to see everybody pull together because it was a big game. We all pitched in for Jack Bros for him, which was yeah, it was a little pricey, but uh, especially for a loose copy, I was like, wow, I didn't know it was going for that. <laughs> yeah, it's but, surprising uh, too. Yeah, I was happy to do it, and uh, it was a really cool event on our site. It's pretty incredible that Virtual Boy console. I mean, like for only having twelve games, it's ridiculously hard to find them. Yeah, you don't and come across even them being a, a Nintendo product. I'm sitting here with a full set of. Uh, Every Gamecom game from Tiger, but who cares? I'd rather have the Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah, pretty awesome. All right, well, let's get into pickups, and uh, we'll start with our guest. Doug, we'll let you go first. Just tell us about uh, some of the games you picked up recently. So, um, game-wise, um, picked up the, the Layton remake that they just made. Uh, it was originally a 3DS game. My nice. wife really likes those, and so we've been playing that quite a bit. Um, I also uh, grabbed the uh, Katamari Damacy uh, re-roll again on the Switch. And I've also been playing the crap out of uh, Jurassic World Evolution. That was another one I picked up nice. recently. Hardware-wise, my wife got me the uh, the Duke controller for the <laughs> Xbox nice. One. <laughs> yeah, that thing's awesome. I've been playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic again on my Xbox One just to play with that controller. And then I, I have on order, I haven't received it yet. Uh, with uh, the money I got from Christmas cards, I ordered the uh, Nintendo AVS system. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What was it? The uh, retro USB? Yeah. yeah I've, been, I've been wanting to get a good way of HDMI capture. I bought the, um, the RGB kit to put in my Nintendo. I've just not found the time to do it, and I figured, whatever, I'm just going to head and order this. I've had the stupid RGB kit sitting in my drawer since 2015. I'm excited about that, and hopefully I can finish Jurassic Park on, on the Nintendo. I've been messing with it, and it's one of those games that doesn't have a save feature, so I'll get so far in it and have to put it down and then uh, start it over again. Now, is that like Operation Genesis for the Xbox and PS2? It is, yeah, Jurassic Park or uh, Jurassic World Evolution. It's it's just like that. Awesome. Um, it's made by Frontier, uh, the same company that made... Uh, like the roller coaster tycoons, the original ones, not the newest one that mm-hmm. Atari's uh crapped all over. They also made the um Planet Coaster. Okay. So um that's the one that I'm playing right now. I just bought the expansion packs too, and I've not played through those yet. But uh the newest one added Jurassic Park models to it, so you have the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park looking like the dinosaurs, and also adds the uh, visitor center and the um a few other items from the original movies. Cool. Yeah, that's something I've been putting way too much time into, and my wife hates it because she's like, this is the least interesting thing to watch ever. I mean, 
who wants to sit around and watch somebody micromanage a park? You're like, oh gosh, this guy needs a restroom. I need to put a restroom over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love those sim type games too. I think the problem is, is someone watching you play them, it makes it uh, tough. But if they were actually playing it, they would kind of understand and enjoy it. Exactly. So I just play it when she's not home or uh, I go to the other room. <laughs> nice. All right, Krabby. What are a few of the pickups you've had? I haven't had very many, but I had a really big one I was really happy about where I got to upgrade a whole bunch of loose NES and Super NES games to complete box ones. Nice. So I got some classics like Mega Man 2, Chip and Dale, Zelda 2, Double Dragon, uh, Donkey Kong Classics, Yoshi, SimCity, Bart's Nightmare, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super R-Type, and a few others. Um, and I also picked up Dune for the Genesis, which is a game I used to love when I was a kid. Oh, nice. So I got a complete copy of that. It's really excited about. And also in that deal, I got a huge box of Nintendo Power magazines. And there's a lot of really early issues in there, including issue number one, which I have never owned before. So I've already read through it a couple times. I really, really love it. <laughs> Planning to go through a couple more of those early issues because they're fascinating. Um, and then a buddy of mine had a strategy guide for a working designs game that I'd never seen a guide for. And one of the games I picked up in that lot I was just talking about was Plock for the Super NES. Yes. And he said, hey, if you give me that Plock box and manual, you can keep the game. I'll give you this strategy guide for Vey for the Sega CD. And I said, heck yeah. And so <laughs> we, we did a little trade and I got this new Vey strategy guide. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. Cool. Yeah, that's one I just picked up last month. And that was really on your recommendation. The game. I is, hope you like yeah. it. I, I think it's fantastic. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Oh, I put so many hours into Vey. I think I had the walkthrough when I, w I first bought the game. That was one that I picked up. I don't think I have it anymore. I still have my walkthrough for a Lunar uh, on the Sega CD. All of their guides are, are pretty unique and interesting. I like them. Yeah, they are. All right, Sean? Yeah, so I'll start with just a few things I bought off the internet. I got South Park The Stick of Truth for the PS3. I got a, just a nice cheap copy off of eBay because I'm going to need it for some reason. <laughs> um, I got Nelky the Legendary Alchemist Ateliers of the New World for it's the Nintendo Switch, <laughs> which is um, it's part of the Atelier universe. But if I'm correct, I think this game is more like a city builder, like... Animal Crossing Sims type of game. I could be getting that totally wrong, but I do know that it's not a traditional Atelier game, but because it was, it was on the Switch and it was on sale for like under $20 and it's part of that series or universe, I wanted to grab that. And my last like normal internet purchase, I got a copy of Sirento VR for the PS4 for PSVR. And this is supposed to be one of the better titles play on VR in general. It's just a Looks like a really bombastic action game. We're using the move controllers, doing special moves, guns and swords and all kinds of stuff. And it's gotten very high reviews. So looking forward to checking that one out. I got Ring Fit Adventure from one of my coworkers who works at GameStop. I had him reserve me a copy of it over the holiday. And I've been messing around with that. It's pretty cool. It comes with this resistance ring thing that you can do exercises with. You can kind of squeeze it in or pull it apart. It's just resistance training. And then in the game, it's like an RPG where you traverse the world by running in place and then you get into uh, not random battles. There's, there's enemies in your path that you have to fight. And it's a turn-based battle where to 
attack, you have to do like squats or um, overhead press or <laughs> stuff like that to actually execute the attack. And then when the enemy attacks you, you have to press the ring against your stomach and do like an ab press. It's really cool. And uh, it's a hell of a workout, I got to tell you. been curious to try that one. It looks cool. It's really cool. It's besides something like a DDR or something where you're just moving around constantly, it's probably the best workout I've gotten from a game. And I played a lot of Wii Fit back in the day. <laughs> so uh, I'm not a personal trainer, but I am an old veteran of, you know, Nintendo's fitness games. So I really like Ring Fit Adventure. I can speak highly of it. And then my last pickup is kind of cool because I don't really do this anymore. I, I scored something big just randomly going to a thrift store, which is great because I don't go thrifting a ton anymore. And when I do, I never find freaking anything, <laughs> which is why you never hear me talking about it. But one Friday afternoon, I got out of work early and I decided to stop at the Salvation Army that's on my way home. And I found there complete copies of DuckTales Remastered, Minecraft, and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for the Wii U, and they were $3 each. So we've talked about it on the show before. DuckTales was delisted from all digital platforms during this year, and that Wii U physical copy is one of the only, if not the only, copy that's actually a physical disc. They put out physical on PS3 and 360 as well. Those are discs and not just like yep. a code in a case? Okay, cool. They, they did yeah. both. Both, yeah. Good. That's probably where the confusion is. At PS3. Yeah, they have a PS3 copy of it and a Wii U copy. Cool. Thank you for clarifying that. No corrections needed. <laughs> and then the Minecraft one was kind of cool because I didn't realize that's a somewhat valuable game. I just bought it because it was there and cheap, but um, Minecraft on the Wii U is like a $30-ish game right now. So It's my son's favorite version outside of the PC. He says it's the best one on the console for some reason. Awesome. I'll have to give that a try. But yeah, that was that was pretty cool to pick up some Wii U goodness at the Salvation Army. And uh, that's actually, that's it for my pickups. Nice. So Rich, what about you? What are your pickups for this month? Well, funny you should ask. I did receive a package at my doorstep at the beginning of the month from a good friend from Austin, yeah. Texas. Uh, that would be Grey Ghost 81 Sent me a copy of Star Fox 2 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, of course, this is a game that we're playing this month, along with uh, Star Fox on the Super Nintendo and also Star Fox 64. I was going to skip playing this game, but now I have no excuse not to. And so we can talk about that on the show next time. Nice. Uh, he also sent me a few other goodies, including a Sega Saturn Japanese copy of, I'm going to screw this up, but Pro Yaku Team Mo Sukuru. And uh, it's actually a baseball game, and it looks pretty neat. Um, it's like uh, you, you not only play, but you actually can manage your teams and things like that. So I might try to give this one a spin if I can. I do have my action replay card, so I can actually play the game. But as far as getting through the Japanese translation might be tough. But Sean, thanks a lot, man. I, I really appreciate the package. Sure. 
The other thing I picked up was on a Target sale during the Christmas holidays, and I actually got it for 13 bucks, and that was the game Days Gone for PS4. This is one that, um, you know, I'd seen at E3 and had been excited about for a few years, and uh, really happy to dig into this. I uh, picked up a copy of Beetle Adventure Racing for the N64. What? I picked up an N64 <laughs> game? One of the best N64 games. And that's what I've heard. And I do enjoy racing games. So um, this one was cheap enough. I think I got it for 10 bucks. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. And then this year, my Secret Santa site member, Easy Racer, who not only did I was able to figure it out, but he put a note in there saying it was for him. So just want to say thanks a lot. Uh, I got a game that Sean had talked about recently, and that is The Girl and the Robot for PS4. It's a puzzle type game and one that uh, even though Sean didn't give it high reviews, but gave it a fairly good review. Uh, it's something that I wanted to check out. I uh, also got a copy of Mega Man for the Game Boy and a Corecast shirt from Easy Racer. So that was really, really awesome. I also picked up a copy of Jade Cocoon for the PS1. As you guys know, I've been picking up a lot of PS1 games recently and uh, going to continue that trend. Picked up a game just on a whim. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have played it. It's called Dewey's Adventure for the Wii. Have any of you played that one? No, I've had it sitting in my backlog, though. And that was one that I put some time in when it first came out. It's a fun game. It's like a action puzzle game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and it looks like you manipulate like the Wiimote in certain ways to, to move and do all sorts of different special tricks in the game, yeah, right? Yeah, if I remember. like That was one of the uh, first games I got with my Wii. So, of course, I put some time into it then, and now I'm having a hard time remembering it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so I was able to pick that up for a few bucks, and it looked interesting enough. So, uh, yeah, give that one a whirl soon. And then uh, I picked up Fatal Fury for the Genesis. Uh, just a loose copy, unfortunately, but, you know, it was a few bucks, so I just went ahead and grabbed it. Dream Trigger for the 3DS, which is uh, sort of a shooter. Never played it before, but, uh, you know, looked pretty cool. My wife got me a few games for Christmas. Sorry, Krabby. No cliffhanger for the Super Nintendo this year. But, uh, Disappointing. <laughs> I know, right? But she did get me a copy of Final Zone Complete for the Genesis, uh, which is one that uh, I've been looking for for quite a while. And also a copy of Rising Xan Samurai Gunman for the PS1. And then uh, last weekend, I did a shady parking lot deal and got a copy of Invincible Iron Man and Golden Sun for ten bucks, uh, oh, for nice. both. Uh, that's around a fifty dollar value for ten bucks. And I had been looking for Invincible Iron Man for the Game Boy Advance for a long time. Uh, if you guys haven't played it, it's sort of like a Contra shooter, and uh, definitely recommend it. Looks great on the Game Boy Advance as well. Picked up a copy of Dolphin Complete in the Box for the 2600. I've uh, been collecting those Activision games, and so I got that one. Looks great on the shelf. Took back some Christmas presents that my mom had got me. She got me Days Gone, which was on my Amazon list that I forgot to take off, and also a Fire Stick, which I already had as well. And uh, took those back and got a copy of Control for the PS4 and The Outer Worlds for PS4, which I heard were great games that released in 2019. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to checking those out. And I think one of those we're going to be playing soon, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, could be. We got a lot of foreshadowing here in the pickups. <laughs> Neat. 
I don't know if we can get done with Outer Worlds in 10 hours, but we'll try. <laughs> oh, I see, I've seen it speed ran in, in like 12 minutes. Have you seen those? No, I haven't seen, yeah. seen speedruns on that one yet. Oh, it's really cool. There's actually one on IGN with developer commentary over it. So they're watching this guy speedrun their game in like 10 minutes and just saying, oh, I didn't realize you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Here it's comes a, the patch. Yeah, it's a <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe but it's a it's a cool video nice uh and then uh recently picked up a gold game boy pocket for a great price at my uh, honey hole sean and um you know i just thought it was cool and i've put up some shelves in my game room to display my game boys on uh put a picture of it up uh, on twitter a few weeks ago but um yeah, I didn't know that this gold Game Boy, it was actually sold in Japan and Australia, but in the U.S., it was a Toys R Us exclusive. I looked at the back of it and had some other people look at it, and they noted the, the numbers on the back. I think it was Metal Fro, who's our big Game Boy guy, and he said, yeah, that's definitely a U.S. one, and uh, yeah, just a great find to add to the uh, Game Boy console collection. And then something they also got from another site member, which uh, just really just completely blew me away. Um, our friend Bickman, who had helped finish his Virtual Boy collection, sent me a package in the mail. And I opened it up, and it was a copy of Friday the 13th, the game, on PS4. And I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, he sent me this game. I had already kick-started the game and, you know, had a copy with the sleeve and everything. But, you know, I was like, that's cool. I can, you know, add this to my collection. And then I looked at it a little closer and noticed that it was autographed and it has Tom Savini's autograph and Kane Hoder's autograph on it. And man, I just flipped the hell out. And uh, it's one of the coolest gifts that I've ever gotten from anybody. And uh, just want to say thanks again, Adam. That's that's really cool. If you guys don't know, Tom Savini is like the godfather of gore. And, uh, you know, that's quite a cool autograph to have. It means a lot to me. And then Kane Hoder actually is the one who's played Jason from uh, Friday the 13th, Part 7 to present. And while those aren't the best movies, he's probably the best Jason because he's just a huge guy, just super buff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just really cool. Uh, both of these guys actually had input on the game as well. So, uh, you know, it just makes it even cooler. And I've actually went out and bought a shadow box and have it hanging on my wall, actually right over where I'm recording right now. So, uh, yeah, very neat thing. And then finally, I just got this in the mail yesterday, but, um, I, uh, saw a guy who was selling a Vectrex with a lot of games and he also had a 3d imager and, he had them up for a really, really good price. And I was like, yeah, I would be interested only in that imager, but you're probably not wanting to break that up. Contacted me and he was like, well, how about this for it? Would you pay this for it? And I was like, well, how about this? And he said, okay. And I was like, wow. Uh, so this is something I've been looking for for a long time. If you don't know, there are a few games that were made on the Vectrix that were in 3D. And it's just this... Um, these sort of goggles that you put on your face and it has a color wheel in the inside of it that kind of spins around and it, you know, gives you the 3d imaging and it's just a really, really That's cool so accessory. Cool. Yeah. I was, I was so pumped to get that and made a uh, remark on Twitter that I'm finally got my VR headset. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, man, uh, those are my pickups. Thank you. 
Let's move on to games played. Doug, you want to start us off again? I, I pretty much covered it. I mean, like, uh, what I want to play right now is uh, the Jurassic World Evolution and been doing the uh, Star Fox games for the playthrough for January. Yeah, you've already beaten them all. <laughs> I, I see. have. What's funny <laughs> is because uh, I did that originally on the Switch for Star Fox 1 and Star Fox 2, and then I played the 3DS version of Star Fox 64 3D on the uh, 3DS. So now I'm going to go back and replay them on the consoles they originally made for just to have a different perspective because obviously i played them on the original consoles first so i'm going back to it i'm about to play on my stream i've got a uh, blazing dragons which was uh, a game that i've really been wanting to play but nobody picked and um the last time i got to play on stream was around christmas and so the person that got the pick he's like here you pick a game so i finally got to pick this game for me to play um, are you guys familiar with Blazing Dragons? Isn't that the Cheech and Chong game? It's it's got Cheech voicing it. It was um had Terry Jones helped with the animation from uh, the Monty Python, and I think he also right. helped write some of it. You play as a dragon in a castle, and it's basically the reverse of the princess being stolen, and you go fight a dragon. It's humans kidnap the dragon princess, and you have to go find her. And all of the knights got captured or got lost or something. And you're just a, a lowly squire. And you kind of work your way through the puzzles. Plays a lot like, um, you know, your classic 90s point-and-click adventure. Very cool. Nice, man. Anywho, yeah, that's that's my uh, main ones that I'm playing through right now. When I get a chance, um, me and my wife has been playing the uh, Layton game on the Switch and also uh, 2064. I guess it was an indie game. Uh, have you guys heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard of it. No, not at all. So 2064 is uh, reminds me a lot of Snatcher um, and the art style. So it's like the um, cyberpunk, you know, what the 80s thought the future is going to be like, where people are hybrids. So um, say you get skin cancer or something and you, you're about to die. 
well, they can do a gene splice and replace your skin with animal skin. You may grow fur or something like that. So you become a hybrid. So that's kind of like where it starts out. And you also, you know, it gives you the opposite side where people's like, you got to stay pure. How dare you ruin the human race? So you're trying to figure out like a murder, of course, like they do with all these games. That's all I'll go into because I think you guys should at least try it. It's a really fun game. We have not finished it yet, so I can't even tell you exactly how it ended anyway. When people criticize you for getting animal skin, do you have like an emote that says, okay, boomer? (laughs) That'd be great. My character is not skinned, so he's still a human. He's considered pure still. Cool. All right, Krabby, what you been playing, man? Uh, I had a cool night the other night where we got a couple guys from RF Gen to join me to boot up some Diablo 2 and network it on Battle.net. Cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, had a blast playing that. Uh, we almost finished the first act. It was a great night, and I'm hoping we can do some more of those this year. Um, outside of that, been playing some Tetris Effect and Tetris 99. Lots of Tetris lately. And then I've really started digging into NES again, which is something I love doing. So I, I finally beat Astyanax, which is something that's that's kicked my butt in the past. Uh, Bomberman 2 I ran through, and I've been working my way through all the Adventure Lolo games. Cool. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. I love those puzzle games. Yeah, they are. What's on the horizon? What are you uh, looking to play soon? And again, I'm, I know you're doing this for the NES Challenge, which we've kind of carried over into the new year, right? Yeah. Uh, I really want to get myself, I'm just playing some games I know I can beat quickly to get to this big milestone that I'm coming up on, and then once I hit that, I want to really focus on some of the hardest games on the NES and see if I can cross them off, so stuff like Akari Warriors and Bump and Jump and Championship Pool and a couple other ones like that, Mute Virus. Nice. All right, Sean, okay if I go next, because I know you've probably got another huge list this month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can go ahead. My list is not that long, so it'll be good to just keep the train moving, but go ahead. All right, man. So my three-year-old is, again, obsessed with beat-em-ups. I think I talked about this on the last show. So he just says, Daddy, Daddy, let's go play Ninja Turtles. Let's go play Ninja Turtles. He just always wants to play Ninja Turtles. And, uh, you know, we were playing Turtles in Time for a long while. And I was like, I'm kind of getting tired of this game. And he just kept on about Ninja Turtles. And I was like, all right, we're playing Hyperstone Heist. So we ran through that game a few times. And currently that's the one that he really loves to play. And it's interesting to play the two around the same time. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I prefer Turtles in Time over Hyperstone Heist. I feel like, uh, you know, for a few reasons, Turtles in Time, I think, has a better gallery of enemies from the show. And then it also has a really cool backstory. Hyperstone has a similar backstory, like from the beginning of the game, but I just love the feature of how you go from different eras in time. And I think they just did a great job with the story in that game. I don't know, which one do you guys prefer? I've never played them back to back, but I've always had better feelings towards Turtles in Time as well. Yeah, I think Turtles in Time has more content in general, doesn't it, Rich? Like a couple levels that Hyperstone doesn't have? It's got a lot more levels than Hyperstone doesn't have. Uh, Hyperstone levels are a little longer in spots, um, and so you're on the level longer, which... I don't like, I like to kind of switch it up, you know, every now and again. And then there's a boss rush where you have to fight the same bosses over again, which Turtles in Time does not have. And so 
Yeah, I just think Turtles in Time was a lot more creative and, you know, just weren't trying to reuse skins and Hyperstone Heist feels a little bit lazier to me. But the music and the graphics are great in that game, though. Interesting you'd, you'd say that because it's like when they made uh, Hyperstone Heist, they was originally just going to port Turtles in Time, but they found that Nintendo wasn't going to have that. Turtles in Time port was basically just the arcade and they, they took out the enemies people wasn't familiar with and added more of the cartoon characters to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, Hyperstone Heist, they actually tried to make that one longer to make it for the console, to make it not just a quick arcade play like uh, in time was. Yeah. I kind of agree, like for a short, if I just want to pick up a game, I usually will grab Hyperstone Heist myself, but that's also because I'm more of a Sega fan, and uh, I have like four Genesis hooked up in different places and only two Super Nintendos, so <laughs> for me it's easier to grab a Sega game. Wow, rough life for you. I know, it's so bad. <laughs> but uh, after having to play Turtles a ton, my wife has even gotten into the rotation. I've had to work her in to play Turtles so that I don't have to play it all the time <laughs> with her three-year-old. Uh, I tried to throw a few other games at him. We played some Final Fight 2. Which was good. I've done a review on uh, our website about that. It's a great game. It's probably my favorite game out of the three that were released for the Super Nintendo. We played some Knights of the Round as well, which was a lot of fun. I it is a fun beat em up. Yeah, yeah. I like the mechanic that you can level up and your character changes in that game. That's really cool. <laughs> and they scream like it's in pain. Oh! <laughs> Anytime they leveled up. That's why I remember mostly on Knights of the Round. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really cool game. And then I also played True Lies on the Super Nintendo, which was another game that uh, I picked up this month for a really awesome price. Usually goes for over 20 bucks, and I was able to grab it for 10 I'd heard some really good things about it on the Super Nintendo, and I don't know if you guys have played it before, but it's one I would say that's really worth your time in picking up. You play as Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. It, you've got this overhead view that's really cool, and you know, you're just machine gunning everybody. And it's got this kind of um, turret mechanic where when you're firing, you can twist your body so that you're standing in the same place and you could fire in different directions. So I don't know. Have you guys ever played this game or tried it out? No, not yet. Is the True Lies on the Genesis the same as the Super Nintendo, or was that one that? When they created it for one system, they made it different for the other. Because I've not played it on the Super Nintendo. I've played it on the Genesis, but I don't remember it having that mechanics. I haven't played it on the Genesis yet. I do have a copy of it, so I'll have to report back on that. So that's a good question. Important question. Can you be Tom Arnold? <laughs> you can't, but Tom Arnold contacts you during the middle of the game. There's like a headshot oh, of Tom Arnold awesome talking game. to you. So you do have that, man. But uh, yeah, I highly suggest picking this game up. It's a lot of fun. And that's it. So you were talking about the Turtles. I want to go back to that for a second. Have you played, and, and also Knights of the Round, have you played the remastered versions like uh, on the Xbox 360 when they had the arcade of the first Turtles and then they had the... Uh, the reshelled version of uh, Turtles in Time. Did you ever play that? No, uh -uh. I haven't played those. Yeah, I actually played that. And we should know, like DuckTales, that's been delisted digitally for years now. Yeah, that was uh, gone. So the only way you can play it is by pirating it, which is how I played it on, on the PS3. Doug, I thought reshelled was actually a pretty good 
version of that game. Not not the greatest thing in the world, not as good as the original, but I remembering it getting kind of dumped on for not being good, but I really enjoyed it. What did you think of it? I, I like Reshelved. So those are two games that I bought like right as soon as they was listed. So I, I still have the digital copies available to me on my Xbox. Um, the Turtles and Time version was cool because they added more like a 3D effect and it still played really well. And I think yeah. people just didn't like the visuals. They wanted the 2D sprites. And so they, they really hated that. And they also put back in all of the um, enemies from the arcade and didn't use the cartoon enemies that they placed into the Super Nintendo version. So that was another thing people really didn't like about the remake version. As soon as uh, Nickelodeon got the rights for the Turtles, they took away the rights from uh, Konami to sell any of their Turtles. And uh, so, yeah, that that was the end of it for anyone that didn't already buy them. But yeah, it's really worth a, a try if you can get a hold of it. The TMNT 1989, as they called it, the arcade of the first game, that one is disappointing in the fact that the only way you can play multiplayer is online. They did not give you the option to use four controllers on one Xbox. Just kind of a side note, there's one of those things that uh, I was curious if uh, if you've tried that, being that it adds the extra players so you can play four players instead of just two. I have not, and please don't tell my three-year-old that those games <laughs> exist. <laughs> or, well, if you ever come and visit. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Rich, when you come to Austin next, we'll have to fire up my modded PS3 and play some Turtles Reshelled and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Sounds great, man. And if you ever come to Cincinnati, we can do that here and not modded. Huh? No. <laughs> Skate keeping you shut. Yeah. That's right. How dare you? <laughs> All right, Sean. How about you? What games did you play this month? All right. So I mentioned that I was working on Hyrule Warriors the last time we recorded on the Wii U. And I ended up finishing it. I love the game. It was so good. I love these Warriors games, and I especially love the spinoffs. I just realized or remembered that there's a Dragon Warrior one that I need to get my hands on. But um, I really like the Fire Emblem one, and I just really like the Zelda one that I just finished. I got to call out that the Great Fairy in this game is an absolute smoke show and is one of the sexiest waifus i've ever seen in a video game (laughs) and this character model is just out of this world and i kind of can't believe it was used in a zelda game just one of the most breathtaking things i've ever seen so check that out if you haven't played the game or just look up a an image or a video of that google hyrule warrior fairy cosplay oh yeah there you go One of the other games I played was Super Hot VR. I mentioned, I think it was last year or maybe earlier this year, I played the standard version of Super Hot and I really loved it. And I've got my hands on Super Hot VR and it is one of the coolest games I've ever played. Kelsey, I know you got PSVR recently. Have you played Super Hot yet? Yeah, when I used to have a Vive, uh, we had Super Hot. Uh, it was a really good game to demo when I had my store, and we'd kind of take the VR around to different events. 
Fun little note, I got punched in the head once by someone playing super hot because I was standing too close to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that will happen. You have to be careful. So it's a little bit different from the standard game because in the standard game, you can actually move your person and run around the levels. But in the VR game, you, you can't move. You're just standing still in these little like vignettes or dioramas or however you want to phrase it with guys just coming at you or shooting at you. And you're taking the move controllers and, again, for super hot, the gimmick is that time only moves when you move. So if you stay still, the enemies and everything else stays relatively still and only moves when you move or if you pull the trigger of a gun or if you throw something. So they just did such a great job of crafting these scenarios where there's like, Two guys in front of you with knives, so you grab both their knives and chop both their heads off and then throw the two knives at the next two guys who are standing behind them and grab their guns as they go flying up in the air, all in VR, all with your own body, your arms, and and you can actually like kind of lean over to take cover and avoid bullets. It's just such a freaking cool experience, and uh, <laughs> I really had a hell of a time with it. I really loved it. And then to come a little bit back down to earth, I played a game called Titanfall 2. This game came up on PlayStation Plus, and I figured I needed just a quick palate cleanser of a first-person shooter game. This game is very highly praised by people. I think a lot of people are more into the multiplayer, which I didn't play at all. Uh, I had a friend give me a copy saying that the campaign is one of the best first-person shooter campaigns he's ever played. I mean, that's great for people who felt that way. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, did you play it? Did you play the campaign? No, not yet, but he literally just gave it to me for free. He's like, you need to play the campaign in this. It is the best. And I've heard that from multiple people. I've never heard anybody talk about the multiplayer, actually. I've only heard people talk about the campaign in that game. Okay. I do appreciate you clarifying that. Maybe it's just me projecting my my leaning towards playing a campaign over multiplayer and just kind of thinking that people wanted to play the multiplayer But yes, this campaign is highly praised. And for me, it's fine. Like the whole part of the game is that you have this mech who has its own personality. So I think what a lot of people got attached to this game is that you have a companion character kind of in the way like like The Last of Us, how you have Ellie or in Bioshock Infinite, you know, where you have this companion character who's talking to you through the whole game. And I think that's part of the reason people kind of attach and bonded with this game. For me, I thought it was just, it was a good game. It was kind of corny. Another thing I think people like is that the traversal is really cool. You can run up walls and jump. And for a first person game, the traversal is really good. So I'm not trying to like dump on the game because I actually do think it was a really good game. It's just for me, it just didn't do much. I was just glad to just kind of play through it and beat it. I didn't rewind at all. I just beat it. Um, <laughs> So the last couple of games that I'm working on is uh, Final Fantasy X and X-2. So my latest blog article that is live as of late December was a non-review of Final Fantasy X. I didn't call it a review because I wasn't finished with the game, but I had to write something and I wanted to do a write-up on that game. I wasn't super favorable on it, but... There was a really good discussion on the comments section from Easy Razor and Disposed Hero, our friend Steven. 
they are big fans of this game, Final Fantasy X. So I had a really good discussion with them on the things they liked versus what I didn't like and vice versa. And it was one of the best like uh, responses to anything I've written in quite a long time. So I just wanted to shout out those two guys. So Final Fantasy X is a game that came highly recommended from Bill from the Collector cast. It's one of his favorite games. And it's it's one of the most beloved Final Fantasy games as far as I can tell. I recently watched a video from Austin Eruption, who's a YouTuber that I really like, and he listed it as his best Final Fantasy game for people to start with, which is always a topic of conversation with this franchise. It's so weird. I had like the most extreme love-hate relationship with this game that I've had with any other game in, in like a long time because... Just love Blitzball, hate everything else. <laughs> I hate Blitzball. <laughs> so I actually, I didn't play Blitzball at all. I only played that first game that it kind of makes you play and I lost that one and I never played Blitzball again. So I just was so shocked by how it's literally just the most linear game I've played that wasn't you know what I mean? Like for an RPG and especially for a Final Fantasy game, it's all linear. You're just walking from point A to point B fighting monsters. Then you watch a very long cutscene and fight a bunch of bosses. Then you go to a new part of the map and you don't choose where you're going on the map. There's no open world or anything. It's just a story told in progression. And only at the very end, right before the final boss, do you have any chance to go around and explore and go to places that you've been to previously? It's actually not super unusual for a final fantasy game was this your first final fantasy game uh no so i played final fantasy one and four and both of those had like open worlds where you could go wherever you wanted so i i think i i know why people love final fantasy 10 and uh, i'm probably going to yell out about this but um <laughs> so i remember really liking final fantasy 10 when it came out and um I grabbed it again when the HD remakes came out because then I could play it portably on, on the, the Vita. And I'm like, why did I love this so much? And I'm like, this is not that good going back to it. And then I realized it was because all the hype about, oh, my God, it has voice acting. You know, this is the first one with the voice acting. And it was like wanting to showcase on the PS2. And it was so much hype behind it when it first came out. I think people forced themselves to love it. And they forgot that it's really not that good until they go back and play it again. And they're like, wait, hold on. Now I know that how they can make really good games, this isn't that good. And I feel that even since then, what, you had 11 and 14, which was online, which was nice big open worlds. But 12 was the last one that was really good open world. And 13 was a linear, just like 10. It's kind of lost its soul. Like... The Dragon Quest games still kind of keep that open world feeling, even though it kind of forces you on paths. Final Fantasy is not so much anymore. It just still wants you to just push you through the story to get it to the end. Yeah, I guess I just didn't really realize that. But on the other hand, I stuck with it and I really liked the upgrade system, the sphere grid, where you can just kind of go hog wild on all the attributes and, and special powers and spells and... By the end of the game, I had my white mage had all the top level black mage skills and my black mage had all the top level white mage skills and they were both just laying the smack down on every single enemy in the game, including the final boss. We were just gangster in our way through the game. So that part of it I really liked. So to just to get out of Final Fantasy X, I decided that 
there was never going to be a more appropriate time for me to play Final Fantasy Ten Two. So I just rolled right into Final Fantasy X-2 because if I'm being completely honest, I was more attracted to X-2 because of the things that I had heard about it, the female characters, the dress fears, which are actually kind of like classes, but they changed the character models. And also, this is actually is an open world game from the very beginning. You can go wherever you want. And I'm not that far into it, so it might... It might not pan out to be how I want it to be, but I'm enjoying it a lot. And Krabby, I know you made a comment on my tweet that I had started playing this game. You're not a fan of this one, I'm guessing? I actually love the job system, and when that game came out, I was super into it. There's like an optional dungeon where it has 99 floors, and like you only <laughs> get to save once every 10 floors. And like Oof. You have to have everybody max level and every item to like have a chance at the later levels. I did all of that. I 100% of that game. Played the heck out of it. I think the story is garbage, and I think it ruins the interesting ending that Ten had like immediately. Okay. But I love playing it because it's just fun combat and fun job systems and stuff like that. Yeah. Other than like the girly stuff, like the all female cast and the you know the character models are a little bit more fan servicey this time around. Oh, yeah. They look a little bit more attractive. But other than that, I actually like that they brought back like active time battle and the whole thing with the dress fears is so cool that you can just yeah. like, oh, I'm a warrior now. Oh, I'm a black mage now in the same battle. Like it's crazy and it's awesome and I really like it. So anyway, that's it. That's what I'm playing. So in December, we did our site competition. Once again, this is a yearly thing that we do. And we decided on the theme, we light gun games. The Wii is known as being a system with a plethora of light gun games. Some really good, some really bad. And uh, we picked out three. Attack of the Movies 3D, Ghost Squad, and House of the Dead 3. However, before we get into our game talk, let's talk about our question of the month. I came up with this one, Sean. It is your significant other slash sibling slash game playing buddy, etc. has been naughty this year. What game does Santa put in their stocking? So, Sean, do you have a list of our responses from social media? Yes, I do. Uh, let's start with Josh Leslie at Frantic Society. He said, a modern video game with no ability to connect to the Internet and patch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, after a serious month, now we're back to clowning around. That's great. Love it. Oh, this that's this question is appropriate for clownish answers, so Absolutely. Um at CollectorCast, our good friend Duke Togo, he says Action fifty two, so they can enjoy a new pain for every week of the year. That's a good answer. 
That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so buried on Mars, Kevin, he says, force them to play first-person shooters with low resolutions, weak frame rates, postage stamp, field of views, and a controller. Any console will do. Hashtag PC Master Race. <laughs> and uh, uh, Kevin just can't help himself, Kenny. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> just can't. every time. Just Kevin being Kevin. Yep. Uh, so we got engineer Mike. He said, I would put Minecraft in there because I think it's torture. My girlfriend loves it. I don't know. A Madden football game would probably be punishment enough for my lady. <laughs> so uh, she gives him Minecraft. He gives her Madden. I guess that's that's what happens. Um, Stuart. At Red McKnight, he says Rise of the Robots, which I had to look up. This is uh, <laughs> an older fighting game, I guess. On the 3DO, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good choice there. Um, the Quick Save Club. Now, I'm not sure who tweeted this. Uh, probably Josh or uh, I don't know. It said probably Buried on Mars and Retro Gamer Ranton's favorite title, Spore. These dudes just keep going on and on about how they love it so much. So. I don't know, that might be an inside joke amongst them, but Spore is that uh, kind of infamous game from EA and from Will Wright that was uh, kind of under-delivered on the promises that it had made and so it had some fascinating DRM associated with it. If you want to look that up and go through that rabbit hole, it's pretty interesting. Our good old friend, Bickman2K Adam, he said, Game, I'd give them something super complicated with a lot of wires to hook up. Like a PS4. Uh, Rich, I, I don't know if that was... Uh, he was subtweeting you there, I think. <laughs> yeah, shots fired. Yeah. yeah, that was directly at me. Um, uh, I had my PS4 for months before I actually got it hooked up. But I had just had back surgery as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a little bit of an excuse. But, yeah, that, that continues. Carry on. Yeah, so actually that's it from Twitter, but I would actually, um, some of those replies actually had little discussions going on underneath them, so I would encourage anybody listening to this who didn't see those responses to check out the at RFG Playcast Twitter account and look up the question, because each response kind of spurred a little mini discussion, and some of them are pretty <laughs> funny, so. Yeah. Wow, nobody picked the obvious. Well, what's that? Somebody that does not have an internet connection? And you buy them uh, the uh, Tony Hawk 5. They only have one level to play. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> the example that came to mind when Josh put that answer about patching uh, games. Because, that, yeah, that game is largely the patch itself. Which <laughs> is, is that crazy. true? Because I've got it, and I'm pretty sure I never put my system online, and I've played multiple levels in that. Well, what it was is that they um, basically had the demo ready. Um, and they had to get the uh, the disc out before the license agreement uh, was over. Right. So they didn't finish the game. They just released what they had. And then the patch was a 9 gig patch that actually had the finishing of the game. It's got to have more than one level, though, because I played the game in its entirety and unlocked secret characters and stuff without... Yeah, I never have my systems online. Did you buy that one when it first came out? Because I think they fixed it after the first patch. It was pretty early. Like, I don't even patch my games okay. ever. Um, yeah. Well, try to beat it. Let's know what happens. Maybe I'm misremembering, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought I played through that one without any updates. Kelsey, you, you are pushing my gatekeeping instincts when you say things like, I don't patch my games. <laughs> I never do unless, <laughs> like, 
there's something forcing me to. Like Diablo 2 the other night to play with Bill and, and Adam, we all had to be on the same patch, so there was a patch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm going to have to <laughs> let that go. Okay, so uh, Kelsey, what would Santa give your significant other or person of interest uh, if they were naughty? So I assumed it had to be gaming related, and I just tried to think back to recent memory. The worst thing I've I've played in 2019, so I would put Saints Row the Third in my wife's stocking. Oh, you're oh, breaking my hey. heart, dude! And I played like Athena on the NES. What did we invite this guy? And, ugh, Saints Row <laughs> worse than all those. Ugh. My daughter, she's just turned nine. She'll just tell me out of the blue. She'll like, I want to play the game with the car. With flipping doors, and I have to think of what she's talking about. And she wants to play Saints Row because she likes to pick up people and throw them against the wall. Like, ah, kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug. How about you? Oh, for the 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 worst. Um, yeah, either one of the new Bubsies. You think they would have learned? Um. <laughs> Not to have floaty controls and not make him slip all over like he's on ice all the time. But then would it really be Bubsy? That's true. I, I had hopes. And then the the newest one, they tried to make it raunchy, but use like 90s humor. I'm like, oh, it's a little bit past that time to worry about this silly stuff. Come on, guys. Ironically enough, before I knew all that, my wife liked the first Bubsy. So <laughs> I actually bought her that Bubsy. Paul's of Fury as a gift. <laughs> oh, so this actually this happened. actually happened. Then. And it wasn't because she was naughty. It was that I thought she genuinely would like it. And uh, yeah, that was my bad. <laughs> All right, Sean? Uh, so I would say Clicker Heroes just because it's a free game, so it wouldn't cost Santa anything. But just because it's one of the most vapid, like useless games that I've ever played in my life. And I spent way too much time with it and at the end of it all you get to do is kind of start the game over so it's this weird like existential hell of a video game so i would have santa give them clicker heroes what is that on i've never even heard of that Uh, i played it on the ps4 i believe it's on mobile as well and the developers of the game actually when they made Clicker Heroes 2, they said that the first game was so addictive for the wrong reasons that they completely retooled the second game. But I haven't had a chance to play the second one. So, again, that's another interesting rabbit hole to go down if you're interested. <laughs> Is it chance or want? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> All right. So, for me... The one I would put in my significant other stocking, if they were naughty, would have to be Dark Castle on the Genesis. Oh, <laughs> That's just mean, man. This is a very, very painful game. Uh, I found out about this because my buddy who used to live here that moved to Nashville, he had it up on a game selling site. And I was like, oh, it's a Genesis game. It's complete in box. Let me check it out and see what it's about. And yeah, there's no way in hell I would ever own this game. Just watch a YouTube video. It is very painful. Have any of you other guys heard of this game? Oh, I have. <laughs> I've never heard of it. it. Oh. It's one of those games that was originally designed for the older PCs, which they didn't change the controls very much and then just threw it on the Genesis. So just imagine that. Yeah, it's basically you're going through this haunted castle and you're throwing rocks at things. 
and you have to adjust your arm aim and stuff. And like, there's little ledges that you can't walk over or you fall. Everything kills you in this game instantly. And, uh, the jumping mechanic, it's not like a natural jump. It's like you jump out and then you go straight down. It's like a Wiley Coyote cartoon. You know how like he would golf an edge and he would just stop in midair and then fall straight down. So, uh, yeah, it's an awful game. And, uh, that's the one that I would use to punish someone with. You know, they made that on CDI also. Oh, oh man, yeah. you can get the CDI better graphics. <laughs> better graphics, same torture. Exactly. That should be the subtitle of that game. All right, well, let's get into game talk. As I mentioned before, this was the Wii Light Shooter competition. We played Attack of the Movies 3D, Ghost Squad, and House of the Dead 3. Our participants this month were myself, Doug, and Metal Fro. <laughs> so it was a very, very small list. Sean, what's up, man? Uh, so I tried, man. I actually fired up Attack of the Movies, and I played it a little bit, and I, con- I just considered it a warm-up, my first session with it. I didn't really like the game, but I was like, all right, I'll, I can get into this, and I'll post the score. And then I just... I just didn't. Life got away from me, and that first week went by. And if you're not in it on the first week, you're not in it. So, yep. uh, yeah, sorry about that. I really didn't intend to just kind of blow it off this month, but it just kind of happened that way. If you don't mind, I do have a quick funny story about Attack of the Movies 3D. Do you want to hear it now? <laughs> just get it out of the way? Sure. So when I lived in New Jersey, I went to a garage sale once, and the guy had a bunch of video games. Like he had all old stuff and NES stuff and PlayStation 1 stuff, all kinds of different stuff. And I said, oh, this is cool. Do you have any more? And he said, oh, yeah, I have a bunch of stuff. Like I have to go through it. And uh, I always got stuff coming in. I was like, oh, are you a collector? And he was like, no, I'm a garbage man. And I ended up like, (laughs) as I was talking to him, we discovered that he was my garbage man. So he actually picked up the garbage at my house. So I actually became friends with this guy and he would call me when he found cool stuff. He would sometimes leave stuff at my house for me. It was a really like awesome friendship I had with this guy. (laughs) But I particularly remember when he gave me Attack of the Movies 3D because he hands me the disc and he's like, oh, my kids wanted to play this game, but they cannot play this game. It's too scary. Look at it. It's got skeletons and sharks on it. Here, you take it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, better keep this in the right hands. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, man. It's a great story. So what did we all learn from that, kids? Befriend your local guard. I thought it was going to be a twist, (laughs) and he was going to bot back his Attack of the Movies that he threw out, like, a week prior. <laughs> well, I got to say, Sean, I'm guilty as well. I didn't get a chance to play many of these games, and I certainly didn't play at the end with the Battle Royal, and I did not put a score in for House of the Dead 3. It just got to be a busy month, and I think this happened to a lot of our participants, and even our buddy Metal Fro didn't put a score in for House of the Dead 3 either, so... Our winner this past month was very own Dougley 007 here, so right? you'll be getting the prize. My best score. I didn't get my picture of my best score because the screen changed. 
Well, let's go ahead and get into a short discussion of these titles. We won't spend a lot of time on them, but um, we'll start with Attack of the Movies 3D. It was released in May 2010, developed by Panic Button, and produced by Majesco Entertainment. Now, this is a game that actually came with a set of 3D glasses. Doug, did you play with your 3D glasses? Oh, you know I did. Did you really? Yeah. I did. Okay. I got my 3D glasses out. Um, I couldn't find them for that game, so I had to grab my Contra and get the glasses out of Contra. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so um, it sucked. The, the yeah. 3D is awful. I just turned it back to 2D. <laughs> So I tortured myself and beat the game. Oh, wow. I finished all the levels because I thought that at the end of it, it would show a combined score, but it doesn't. It shows you your score for your level at the end of the level, mm-hmm. and that's the last time you ever see it. Oh, wow. There's okay. no leaderboard. There's nothing. It just unlocks the next stage. I couldn't find any branching paths um, yeah. on any of the stages. It was It's a very linear game. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did find is that the power-ups always stay in the same place if you don't get them and you don't regenerate. So if you know that you're going to come to a harder spot and you have close to full life, if you left that life bar, you could pick it up later on in the level. So I, I kind of used that strategy to get my last uh, score in on that one. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> I really dislike this game. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the first the first level is uh, giant insects, and I think it's one of the things that I didn't like about this game. You didn't get to pick what stage you wanted to start on. You had to start on the insect stage. So it would have been nice to play some of the other stages, you know, so I could see see the rest of the game. But you know, just to kind of be something refreshing about the game. The other thing that killed me with this game is there was no calibration for your Wii shooter. And I feel like on most light gun games, there are, uh, you know, where you get a chance to calibrate your gun. And so the reticle was like way off when I was playing and I had to kind of adjust to that. But it made it really hard, especially when those ants throw those like green, like stink bombs or whatever it is at you. They're hard, if not almost impossible, to shoot out of the air, and you just kind of take damage each time that you have to fight them. It sucks. Yeah, you'd almost have to shoot the ball as soon as it came out of its butt. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and still, it, yeah, it, if I want to fight giant insects, I'm going to grab me some Earth Defense Force. I'm not going to grab this game. Yeah, good call. Well, let's move on to Ghost Squad. This one was released November 2007 developed by Polygon Magic, and produced by Sega. And this is actually an arcade port. Have you other guys ever played this game? Yeah, and unlike Attack of the Movies, this game is awesome. Yes. Totally agree. Yeah, this one's a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Doug had mentioned that Attack of the Movies didn't have branching paths. This game has multiple branching paths, has great replayability. It's a lot of fun. You can just keep dying in this game and keep continuing to beat it, and that's how I was able to beat it. And, uh, yeah, I I just really enjoyed it. Uh, It has calibration at the beginning, like all light gun games should have. And, uh, yeah, it's a really fluid game. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, oh, yeah, this one was really good. Um, Once I got the rhythm of the game, I I realized I I had to reload a lot. And um, what I found out was that I accidentally hit the arrow button over and was shooting a burst of three bullets every shot. <laughs> yeah. So once I realized what I was doing wrong, I was able to to get through it and, and do a fairly good job on and just running through it. Um, and then with the branching paths, it made it really nice since this was a score-driven competition. Mm-hmm. 
I played through it a couple times and and found the path that took the longest to get through. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I hit the most amount of enemies if I take this path. Right, right. And that was kind of the challenge to this game and, you know, a good yeah. way to score on it. You're right. And finally, we played House of the Dead 3. Now, this was released in 2008 as a compilation with House of the Dead 2 and was developed and produced once again by Sega. I don't know about the rest of you, but I am a huge fan of the House of the Dead games. Oh, yeah, me too. I even bought the digital House of the Dead 4 just to have it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited about the... I don't know if there was anything further announced about this, but there was a preliminary announcement or a rumor or something about a House of the Dead package coming to the Switch, which a lot of people, including myself, were hoping would include the original game because that game is not readily available on anything yeah. except for the Saturn and uh, you know it's a very pricey game to get your hands on and to have a you know a light gun for the Saturn uh, to even have a Saturn in the first place blah 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 so I hope that game comes to the Switch that would be really awesome. Yeah me too man even though I don't have a Switch I would love to play it down the road my wife and I spent so much time in college at our arcade playing House of the Dead she loves those games and uh if they weren't so damn huge and heavy, I would get one for the garage for her. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, we just threw so many quarters in that game in college and uh, have really great memories. Sean and Krabby, have you guys played House of the Dead 3? Oh, yeah. I haven't played them on... I've only played two in the arcade, but I've mm-hmm. played all all the home House of the Deads. Okay. Well, with three, how do you think it compares to, like, one and two? Uh, I think it's my favorite of the three. The just the things like the is a little less campy. Not that the campy is not great in the first two, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the the shotgun just felt much better. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a Resident Evil type game. You just get that feel to it, you know. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I agree with Krabby. The production value is so much higher on this game than the previous games. The graphics are awesome. And I actually remember playing it back on the original Xbox and I had one of the third party guns that was like really big. And I remember playing this game on it was was really awesome and fun with those. So uh, I agree that three is one of the stronger titles in the series. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, what I don't really care for in the second game is... It kind of feels a little out of place because it's got this sort of gothic nature to it. It feels like you're going through like a German city or something like that as you're playing the game. Whereas this third one goes back to a more like laboratory setting. Yeah. Um, that you saw a lot in the first game. And, uh, you know, the storyline's great too. Even though the, the voice acting's not as great and, uh, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, English isn't always proper. It's still a lot of fun to play. So what did you think about this one, Doug? Oh, yeah, this one was good. The one thing I didn't really like about it, it, it seemed like the Wii version limits your continues a lot more mm-hmm. than the Xbox version did. I got you. So like, I remember being able to go through the Xbox One and just basically just, oh, crap, I died. Let me go ahead and continue. This one, I think, only had a limit of three continues since we didn't change the options. Mm-hmm. It felt really like, okay... I got to the fourth stage or whatever, and again, it was one of those games that, for score-driven competition, it was hard to get your score because you don't get on the leaderboard if you don't finish the game. The leaderboard's just blank until you can finish the game, and it gives you the end score. So if you just get through the third stage and you don't finish it, there's nothing on the leaderboard on the Wii. 
Yeah, my kind of thought on that is like with arcade ports, especially shooters like this, I always think that they should just allow you to keep continuing like you're putting in another quarter because you've paid for the game. So why not be able to see it all? Yeah, I, I just don't understand why they limit continues on arcade ports like this. I don't know why. Sega does that with some of the ports already. It's like um, uh, on the Saturn, I was playing the uh, Sega Ages collection. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to um, Space Harrier. And Space Harrier doesn't have any cheats on the Saturn. And it limits your continues and men you can earn. Unlike the arcade, when you put another quarter and you continue where you die, this one added arbitrary checkpoints. And the checkpoints was like four levels back. So, like, I would have to beat the game. You have to get through five levels without dying. And the last level is a boss rush. <laughs> so, it's like they just arbitrarily made this arcade game that if you had quarters, you would have beaten in 20 minutes longer because you just have to memorize everything to get there. Oh, wow. Yeah, it took me seven hours and 40 minutes to beat space harrier on the saturn that's still impressive those games are are tough yeah that one i did beat no cheating so i didn't finish it i beat it (laughs) all right so let's go ahead and get to our final thoughts on these three games we'll start with sean uh of these three games which one would you say is your favorite and are there any other Wii light gun games that you would recommend Oh, I wish I'd have known about that second question because, <laughs> oh, there's so many good Wii Light Gun games. Luckily, we have the best one, in my opinion, is here already with Ghost Squad. That game is just spectacular and so much fun. And just like you were saying, the replay value is great because of the branching paths. The couch co-op is great and fun. I guess I would just throw back to a couple games that I've talked about on the show before, which would be the Ghost Recon and the Transformers game that I talked about that were developed by the same company. I really like those games. I think they're severely underrated, and they were both really fun. They're third-person light gun games, so there's a little bit more to it than just aiming your Wiimote and shooting at the screen, but that, in my opinion, just makes the games even better. Awesome. Kelsey? Uh, I'm just really sorry I didn't get in on this one. I had a new job change a couple months ago and didn't have the time to commit. But I agree with uh, Sean. Ghost Squad is one of my favorite like on games on the on the Wii. I really enjoyed that. These three definitely my favorite. Uh, one that I recommend was the one that originally got cut is Dead Space Extraction because it's not really a score game. Yep. But I actually like it better than any of the Dead Space games. It's fantastic. Really cool to see them take this like arcade-style game and add a whole story to it. And it's not as throwaway as most light gun games. You actually like are expected to sink several hours into this and get invested in the characters and the story and everything. And I thought they did a fantastic job. It's a really cool like horror game. How about you, Doug? Uh, we're all in agreement on the Ghost Squad for this month. They did just a great job, and the controller was nice and responsive, and it was just a fun game altogether. For light gun games, I really like the Toy Story Mania. I mean, it's, it's technically not a shooter, but I mean, it is. And the fact you're shooting the hoops or whatever to get through the different levels, but that one's really fun. And um, I don't if if you've ever gone to Disney. It's almost straight on the same levels that you play on the ride. 
that's one that again my family we enjoy playing that that's a really fun one for like a group of people just see who can get the highest score and find the hidden high score markers very cool well i'm gonna be a here and say that house of the dead three was my favorite no just kidding it's actually ghost squad that was my favorite as well so i think we're all four in agreement with that I just really enjoyed Ghost Squad. I love the branching paths, and it just seems like it has a lot more options, whereas House of the Dead has branching paths. It will give you, like, two options, and that's it at the time. But with Ghost Squad, you were just sort of all over the map. And I really liked how you could see, like, your branching paths at the end of the level so you know what choices and what options would take you to different places. And uh, it was very fluid for me and being able to calibrate my gun and... uh I thought the aim was dead on and was the best of these three games. As far as what I would recommend, I don't own this game, and I've been looking for a copy for a while. Uh, it runs about 40 or $50, but I've heard that Dino Strike is a pretty good game. It, it involves dinosaurs and shooting them, so, you know, why not? And then my other recommendation is a game that we played a few years ago in our competition, and it's a rail shooter, and I know Sean will agree with me, and I think Kelsey's a big fan of this game too, and that is Sin and Punishment. Oh yeah, I love that game. Yeah, I think Sin and Punishment is probably the best game of all time. And Rich, I'm kind of, uh, I'm surprised that you didn't mention, and I didn't want to mention this to steal your thunder, but L.A. Machine Guns. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Thanks for bringing that up. on the Wii, yeah, yeah. that was... Uh, that's a really fun game, and one of the things that you mentioned about it on the show way back when you recommended it to me is that there's no reload function. You just lay on the trigger and just yeah. wave the <laughs> Wiimote around the screen, and it's just awesome. Yeah, and I was going to include it in this competition, actually. It was on my list, but the reason I didn't do it is because the price has really jumped up on that game. I think it's around 30 35 bucks now, so, uh, oh, you know. Okay trying to keep it under uh 25 or so each month so uh yeah that's why we went with these three games and the cool thing about ghost squad man you can pick that up for like three or four bucks yeah it's a really great one to pick up i think house of the dead two and three is a little more expensive but yeah for bang for your buck uh definitely pick up a copy of ghost squad if you don't have it on the way all hands on deck all in the front all in the back just like that like that I'ma blow your mind to get out on the phone like that, like that. All in the front, all in the back, just like that, like that. I'ma blow your mind like wasted heart. When you left me, you left me with no choice. I'm looking for a boy to fill this empty void. Kiss the old me goodbye, she's dead and gone, dead and gone. Oh. Wasted heart You took the last bit of love I've ever had You took a good girl and you told me you're so bad Kiss the old me goodbye, she's dead and gone, dead and gone Like that. All hands on deck. All in the front, all 
So it's that time of the year where we talk about our top five games played on the playthrough. And guys, what I did was I put all four of our names in a hat and I randomly drew them out. And that's how I got this order. So don't complain. This year, we're not going to do the snake thing. We're just going to go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. The first person to go is going to be Sean, then myself, then Doug, and then Crab Master. So Crabby, you'll get to finish it out with your favorite game. The cherry on top. That's right, man. All right, Sean, what was your fifth favorite game of 2019? It's my pleasure to start with my fifth game, but first I'm going to go run down the games that we played. Is that cool? Oh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Okay, so just as a refresher of what we played, January was Lunar Nights on the DS. February was Bayonetta. March was Dragon Warrior. April was Limbo and Inside. May was Detroit Become Human. June was Twisted Metal 2 and Twisted Metal Black. July was Super Mario Land 1 and 2. August was Danganronpa 1 and 2. September was Saints Row the 3rd. October was Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. November was Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. And December, as we just discussed, was the trio of Wii Light Gun games. So that's what we're working with here, and for my number five pick, I'm going with Super Mario Land 1 and 2. Yes. These are two of my favorite games on the Game Boy. Super Mario Land 2 is probably my favorite Game Boy game of all time. Lots of nostalgia for me. I remember playing Super Mario Land in the middle of the night when I was supposed to be sleeping, and then like you know, turning off the light boy if I heard my mom coming up the stairs and pretending I was sleeping. Like I have that really deep nostalgia for both of these games, so I definitely had to mention them. So that's my number five. Cool. All right. Well, my number five picks the same: Super Mario Land <laughs> and nice. Super Mario Land Two. I'd never really played these games before. I mentioned on the show that my brother had the first game. I put a little bit of time in it, but not enough time to actually beat it. I had a blast with these games and even played the third installment in it with Wario. I was especially impressed with Super Mario Land 2. Just the jump in graphics and how good it looked on the Game Boy. And uh, that's my number five. All right, Doug. Uh, My number five is different. Uh, (laughs) I got Dragon Warrior. I put it here only because I really liked the remake they did. I played it on the Super Nintendo instead of the NES. So I had the uh, Super Nintendo translation from the Dragon Quest. It was just beautiful. I just, you know, the the 16-bit graphics on that game really improved the playability, too. Running around as one character in an RPG seems really weird, like especially in that time frame. You always had your group of four. uh, So you had to manage how you played your character to make sure you beat the game. Uh, but I would actually go back to that again. Nice, man. Krabby? I followed suit, and I picked the Super Mario Land games for my number five as well. I, I really don't think Super Mario Land is a very good game, though. So most of my vote goes towards Super Mario Land 2, which I think is an amazing Game Boy game, an amazing Mario game. The bunny ears and the wario castle at the end and like the moon levels it's just there's a lot to love about that game 
that brings the whole month up for me because the only thing I really like about Super Mario Land is the music. I think the music's fantastic. I think the rest of the game I could do without. You don't like the shmup levels? No, they're so slow. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy, too. Easy's fine. They're just boring and slow. Yeah, I got you. But, you know, uh, Game Boy is sort of made for kids, you know, at the time to travel with. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit of that game I can appreciate. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think the second title is the best of those. All right, Sean, what's your number four pick? My number four is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. And it's worth noting, of course, a, a day after we recorded or something, they announced Hellblade 2, which was kind of awesome. <laughs> um, and the trailer for that looks amazing. But uh, with Hellblade, it was just, it had a really great impact on me. I got to once again shout out Melina Jorgens for the job that she did with her acting and just the emotion that she put into the role of playing Senua just really helped me bond with that character and go on that journey with her. It's not higher on my list because of some of the gameplay issues that I had with the puzzles and stuff, but worth the journey. Great game. So Hellblade is my number four. Damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if we had the same exact list. I know. And... <laughs> Maybe we should have compared them before we did the show. <laughs> yeah, my number four is Hellblade as well. And I agree with you, Sean. Um, you know, the puzzles were a little annoying at times. I wish it would have had more gameplay. But just the impact of this game and the story for me was incredible. I loved all the like uh, the sub-dialogue in the game and how they meshed that with the Norse mythology. I thought it was really great. They really did their research on this game, not only with the history, but also with the psychology in the game. And I, I love the fact that a game like this was made, and uh, it's beautiful. I hope we see more of these types of games in the future for sure. All right, Doug, what's your number four? It was your number five. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I put Mario Land um, as number four. Uh, This is actually the first time I sat down to play more than just the first two levels of Mario Lands. Again, I grew up more Sega person than I did Nintendo. So a lot of my Nintendo stuff I didn't really get into until I started collecting. And uh, that was what, 2001 is when I really started collecting. So I've really liked these games. Uh, for a Game Boy game, they are very entertaining. Though I am glad that I had the Game Boy SP Lite with the light on it. Playing these on the original Game Boy would have been very painful. I don't think I would have liked it as much. Yeah, I played on the Super Game Boy and it was awesome. It was a great way to play those. Yeah, I, I was thinking about getting out the uh, the GameCube and playing it. But it was just a lot easier to play them portable this time around than playing them on the TV. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Krabby, number four. My number four is Dragon Warrior. I have played it in the past, but I never actually finished it. So it was awesome to have that extra incentive to go back and experience the whole thing. And I really like playing all the NES games I have. I've really grown to appreciate a lot of these that are kind of archetypical games of their genres. And so it's really cool to see all these like starting points for Japanese role-playing games kind of coming out in Dragon Warrior. And while it's not my favorite RPG on the system, I really enjoyed playing through it with you guys. Yeah, that was a very special month and uh, a very special game for sure, I think, for all of us. All right, Sean, number three. Oh, my number three is whatever yours is. What is your... <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm just kidding. Well, I don't know if I'm kidding. Here's my number three. It's Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought this game was a lot of fun. I really like the, for lack of a better term, accessibility for someone who doesn't want like a super challenging Castlevania 3 experience. I was a little nervous that I would have a hard time getting through this game, but the multi-tiered difficulty options were really awesome and allowed me to get through the game. And I just thought the pixel art was awesome. The music was really great. And... As we discussed on the episode, if you're looking for like a just a poor man's version of a Castlevania game, this is it. And the boss battles were amazing. So number three, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. So my number three pick is from a developer that Sean and I have really enjoyed playing games from over the years. This was one of our more modern picks that we've ever had, and that was Detroit's Become Human by Quantic Dream. I really love this game, man. I know it got a bad rap from a lot of people when it came out, but uh, it was a game that I thoroughly enjoyed, and uh, I would put it in front of Beyond Two Souls as far as enjoyability. I thought it was cool, had a great story, really made you think as you stepped away from the game. A lot of social issues were brought up. And uh, I just thought Sean and I's discussion of the singularity was just a great portion of that episode. And uh, again, just very thought provoking. So my number three is Detroit. All right, Doug, what is your number three? I went with my number three more on nostalgia more than anything is the Twisted Metals. Going back to Twisted Metal 2, uh, that was just good times. Um, When I was in school, uh, we had... uh, needed a, like a fundraiser for our class. And uh, we did a Twisted Metal 2 tournament <laughs> uh, to, you know, charge five bucks a person, put them pitted against each other. And uh, so playing it again just reminded me all the good times of getting that all set up and playing it. And then this was actually uh, playing through Twisted Metal Black. At first, I really didn't like Black. I don't like how dark it is. But once I get past that and just get into the actual battling in the game, it was really fun, and um, I played it on the uh, the PS4, so it was cleaned up a lot better and a, a little nicer on the graphics than uh, playing it on the PS2. So um, that's my number three. Cool. All right, Krabby, what's your number three? My number three was Bayonetta. It's like that Sin and Punishment we're talking about. It's just fast, crazy, fun action. Everything controls exactly like it's supposed to. Uh, the story is crazy and ridiculous and silly. If you want it, it's there, but it's really a kind of a side thing for me. I just go over the gameplay on that one. And I played this before. It was nice to revisit it because I made it a goal to try and platinum every stage. So I got to really replay them again and again and again and kind of appreciate the design of each stage and how they're different. And even those uh, weird ones where they do like the outrun stage and the space harrier stage, like, I really, really like those. So I had a blast with Bayonetta and I'm glad you guys got me to play it again. Awesome, man. Great pick. All right. We're down to our number two picks. Sean, what you got? My number two pick is Dragon Warrior for the NES. I got to admit it's riding mostly on nostalgia, but it was really cool to actually finish, beat, or complete this game, however you want to put it, for the first time since I was a child and to go through those memories of using the Explorer's Handbook and actually... You know, all the time I spent grinding and just listening to music and or podcasts or whatever while I was grinding and just 
I don't know. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to just because of how archaic it is in some ways. But I enjoyed every minute of all that mindless grinding that I was doing and to be able to just work my way through the game and complete it and the amazing discussion that you and I had, Rich. That's what makes it my number two pick. Awesome. Great pick. All right, my number two pick is a big middle finger to Crabmaster 2000, <laughs> and that is Saints Row the Third. Out of all the games that we played, this was probably the most fun I had during the year. I did not expect to like this game as much as I did, and uh, you know my kids really got into it too. Now this is not a game that I would suggest playing in front of your kids <laughs> all the time, but I think it's a little safer than playing something like one of the Grand Theft Auto titles. But uh, just, you know, running around, doing all the missions. I love the assassination missions. It was great. Designing the cars, you know, with my kids and letting them soup up the cars and paint them however they wanted to. I just had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was a really, really cool game. And I'm really glad we played it this year. And it's my number two. All right, Doug, what you got? Oh my gosh, I'm with you. I've got my Saints Row. There you go. Yes. Yeah, Saints Row, like you said, it was just fun. Now my daughter, uh, that means I got a lot of pink cars in my garage (laughs) with green interiors. But uh, you know what? I can still cut their legs off people with the spikes coming out the side, so don't care. But yeah, it it was just a fun, silly game. Any game that you, you end the last stages on a space station in a cheesy, like... 70s style space mission come on that's just good fun yeah the the entire game from start to finish was just absurd and i think that's what i enjoyed the most about it yeah i agree all right crabby what's your number two so i went with the twisted metal combo um like doug uh there's some nostalgia attached to that i'm pretty confident twisted metal 2 is the first playstation game i ever played and we played the heck out of it. And there was a few characters I know I'd never beaten it with. So it was nice to go back and, and see some endings. Black was a little disappointing, but it's one of those games that I've been wanting to play forever. And it was just nice to get that nudge to go and put the time into it. It was a little more unforgiving than I wanted from it. The level design I didn't think was as interesting as Twisted Metal 2. And being totally devoid of humor kind of hurt it, I think, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy I finally got to cross that off the bucket list and, and see the rest of those endings in Twisted Metal 2. And playing both of those games with the God Mode on is a great deal of fun. <laughs> Which I never figured out for some reason. <laughs> Gotta push those buttons fast. Oh, I could never get that input, man. <laughs> yeah, they took the God Mode off of the uh, PS4 version. Oh, that's mean, because that game is the one yeah. that needs it. <laughs> thought behind it is that oh well you have achievements now we can't give you god mode just uh i'm sure they could have programmed around that that's unfortunate yeah all right we're down to our number one picks are we going to try to guess what every person's number one pick is this time i think i know sean's i think i might know sean's too well fire away what do you think my number one pick is is it Saints Row? I was going with that as well. It is Saints Row the Third. It's <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time. I was very excited to replay it for the playthrough and the podcast. I enjoyed it even more than the first time I played it. I adored every minute of time that I spent playing with this game. 
it was one of those games that you just like comfortably settled into and just was blissful playing the entire game. I love the characters. I love the player character who is the high customization that you could do to just make this beautiful, sexy character. And you can choose the voice actor. That's pretty amazing. Really like some of the, the side characters like Sean D and Pierce and Oleg and Kinsey. And I, I just think this game is awesome. And I, I'll probably end up playing it again <laughs> at some point. It's just probably my favorite sandbox style crime game. And I've played so many because it's one of my favorite genres. And going back and playing it this year, I was just amazed that it's like, wow, I like this better than all of the other ones of these that I've ever played. So yeah, Saints Row the Third is my top game of the year for the playthrough. Excellent pick. <laughs> all right. My number one. What do you think? I was thinking Bayonetta, but I might be Bloodstained. Danganronpa. Doug, you're right. It's Bayonetta. Nice. Yeah, I'd never played Bayonetta before, and there was a lot of hype surrounding this game, but it was something that always interested me. Uh, of course, I played it on PS3 and not uh, the Wii U because I didn't have that at the time. But, um, man, I, I really enjoyed my time with this game. I loved the story. I thought it was really cool. The final boss battle, or next to last boss battle, I thought was a little lame. I, I didn't have a good time with that. But uh, overall, I thought the game was just incredible. And I'm um, hoping that at some point in the future, maybe we can put Bayonetta 2 on the list of games to play, Sean. I'm down for that. Cool. All right, Doug. Number one. Let's see. Uh, what does everybody think Doug's number one is? I think he's going to go Limbo and Inside. That's a good guess. Ah, mine was Detroit Becoming Human. Oh, okay. I don't know what it was about this game. I just, again, the social commentary, playing each side of it really brought you into its world. Me and my wife sit sit down and played through, I think, three of the endings, um, trying to get a different ending for each one of the characters, including to see if there was an ending if you killed one of them off. And, and there's not really, but <laughs> everything about the game was great. Uh, we even sat down and watched a two hour movie of just the different endings that you could get on every character. Wow. So instead of trying to play through all of them, but yeah, it's just a really interesting take on, on uh, the human condition. You could say. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Krabby's number one. I agree so much. I picked the same game. Did you really? I did. I love Detroit Become Human. It's not only one of my favorite games I played this year, just like in the last decade even. Connor specifically is one of my favorite characters in a game now. It's really stuck with me after playing it. I still think about the game once in a while. And I've, I've played multiple endings now over time. I always try and let each session sit for a while so I can kind of experience how that story played out. And then I go back and try something different the next time. And I love where Quantic Dreams is going and I hope their next game uh, expands on this because I think it's the most interesting, the most polished, the best acted. And just everything about it is far and above uh, what they've put out previously and I like what they've put out previously. So I'm looking forward to more from those guys and man, Connor's just, he's so good. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, guys, those were four good lists. Only one disappointment that did not have Saints Row the Third on it, but uh, yeah. You, di- you didn't give me enough numbers to get down that low. Oh, is that, is that what it was? <laughs> it's worse than Attack of the Movies 3D. Oh, no. Don't say that. Them's fighting words. So, as usual, what we do after we do our top five picks, we do some category questions. And our first one is, what playthrough game pleasantly surprised you the most? Sean, we're going to kick it back to you. Yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon for the same reasons I was discussing, that it made number three on my list is just that I was expecting a game that was going to be a pain in the ass, and it just wasn't going to be my style and my type of game that I'm into, but I ended up just enjoying it quite a bit because of the reasons that I talked about. All right. For my surprised pick, I wanted to use something else in the list, but I had to go again with Saints Row the Third. And the reason I'm going with this game is because I've mentioned on the show several times, I'm not a fan of the Grand Theft Auto series at all. Just really don't like those games and wasn't really looking forward to playing this game, honestly, even though there was some nice hype around it. And I know Kevin really loves it. And Sean, you had mentioned that you really loved it too. So, you know, I, I was convinced that, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try it out. And uh, I, I just really, really love this game. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's just so tongue in cheek and silly. And there's just so much you can do in the game. And that's why it was my surprise pick for the year. All right, Doug. 
my surprise was Detroit. I didn't expect it to be as engaging as it ended up being. I played Heavy Rain, which was a good game, but it wasn't amazing. I mean, it was good for when it came out on the PS3 as a visual, but they just really upped their game with Detroit, just with the story. And um, it really made you care about each one of them. Sometimes in some of the situations, started tearing up because you're like, no, no, don't let this happen. It, it was just an incredible game. Awesome. All right, Krabby, which game surprised you the most? Inside did. Okay. Because I had no fun with Limbo. I did not enjoy that game. And playing the first bunch of Inside, I wasn't having much more fun. But that last, like, 20, 25 minutes of Inside just blew me away how much fun I was having all of a sudden. And it, it kind of made the rest of the journey before that feel a little better, too, feel a little better about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just going into that game with low expectations and ended up having quite a bit of fun with one part of it um, really surprised me a lot. Yeah, I, I'll admit, I, I liked Inside a lot better. A lot of the reason is, like you said, it, it's just so much more fun. The puzzles, I thought, were a lot better in that game. And it just, you know, just seemed to be more fluid, a better story, if you will, even though neither one of the games have have much of a story. I thought that this one, you know, was a little more flushed out. Yeah, it's more of a world to, like, kind of get ideas from. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't get to finish Inside. I finished Limbo. Something came up that month with family, and I just never got back to it. I got to the point where I was in the enslaved camp, and I just was swimming through the water to escape the dogs chasing after me. And that was the, the last bit I got to play of it. I'm not even sure how far I was into the game. You still got a ways to go, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should definitely finish it, though. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to pick that back up and finish it. Cool. All right, so our next category, which playthrough game was the biggest disappointment? Back to you, Sean, for this one. Yeah, so this was the easiest question to answer for this entire <laughs> podcast episode, which is Lunar Nights. We did it all the way back in January. I was so excited to play this game just because the concept of it, it's an action RPG developed by Kojima Productions. It's on the Nintendo DS, which is one of my favorite handheld consoles. I will say that it was a really good episode of the podcast because we had our first in-person guest, which is my in-real-life friend, Corey, uh, known as Turnaround and Run on our forums, actually came to my house and recorded with me, which was the first time we've ever done something like that. And he ended up being one of the best guests we've ever had, present company notwithstanding. (laughs) Um, He just brought a lot of intelligent conversation to the table. So it's a little bittersweet to say that that playthrough was disappointing because I think it turned into one of our better podcast episodes this year. But that game, man, it was just it was just wrong in so many ways. And it had so many good ideas that just didn't come together in so many ways. So uh, just disappointing on so many levels. Yeah, that was a game that I thought about for my pick as biggest disappointment. But the thing for me is... I had really never heard of the game, so I I didn't have any expectations for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So instead, God, you guys are going to hate me for this, and our listeners are too. (laughs) My most disappointing game was Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. I got to be honest. Um, Interesting. Yeah. 
I love Castlevania games, and uh, you know, I, I love Simon's Quest and the original one, and you know, Symphony of the Night. But for some reason, I just didn't really like this game that much. I know it got a lot of buzz. I just thought some of it was clunky, and I hate to say it, but a little too easy, except for the last boss. And I know that's usually not a complaint, something being too easy, but I feel like it should have been a little more challenging. I do like the fact that it's a precursor to the game Ritual of the Night, but yeah, for me, it was sort of the biggest disappointment. I was really looking forward to playing an awesome Castlevania game, and it just didn't meet that expectation for me. So, yeah. Sorry, guys. I can kind of relate to that. I've, I've been playing a lot of those retro-inspired games like Celeste and the Messenger, and they're not hitting that spot for me for some reason. Same same as Curse of the Moon, yeah. Yeah, Shovel Knight was that way for me. It's really odd. Yeah. I, know, I know people love Shovel Knight, but I played it for a, a bit and just could not get into it. So, yeah, I don't know. Just me, I guess. The retro-inspired games, they're definitely hit or miss, and I, I've kind of felt the same way. I'm like... I would rather just play a retro game than these ones that try to be retro, but not really. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. All right, Doug, what was your biggest disappointment of the year? You guys aren't going to have me back ever again. <laughs> <sighs> it was Hellblade. Really? Okay. I really tried. I liked the story. I really did. But I could not get past the mediocre gameplay. Like, it's not a good walking sim like... Everyone goes to the rapture where you're trying to find out the story and the fighting wasn't that good either. So it's not a good action game either, but I have a degree. Like I'm going to sit down and get through the story. I'll just go find like, you know, a YouTube video of it. So I don't have to deal with the playing of it. If it wasn't for the playing mechanics, if they would have brushed it out or made it, you know, decided what they wanted to do with the actual gameplay, I probably really liked it, but I couldn't get into it because of the gameplay. Like the silly, like, oh, let me walk around here to find a random branch that looks like this symbol you want me to mm -hmm. find. It was really frustrating. Yeah. So that's the main reason why I picked that. Yeah, I definitely agree. The game definitely has its flaws. And one of those is what you're talking about, the puzzles. And puzzles over combat, I felt, was kind of the downfall of this game. But I did like the combat. I thought the combat was really good in this game, but... I don't have a lot to compare it to either for modern games, so cool. All right, Krabby? Uh, my biggest disappointment I already got into a little bit was uh, Twisted Metal Black. I, I just have that love for two, and I had some high hopes for Black that it didn't reach in any way. It didn't even come close, so I was just sad. I thought I'd, I'd like that one a lot more than I did. Okay, cool. Yeah, they, they really missed the idea of Twisted Metal with Black, like because it was a whole new studio, and they just like, yeah, let's make this dark, twisted version of the game. You don't even care about the endings because they're also dark and twisted. No, they were throwaway. Yeah, yeah. they were. And the other thing good. for me was the game didn't have any color to it. All the vehicles looked the same. You know, it was that gritty. Yeah, there's only one or two that yeah made any impact. All right, so moving on to our next category, I've got what was the best game you played outside of the playthrough in 2019? This should be very interesting. This was a tough choice for me because I finished 76 games this year, <laughs> nice. which is not as many as Dougley, I don't think, but that's a pretty good year for me, and I played a lot of really, really good stuff. So it was a tough deliberation, but I'm just, I'm going to throw out there as my answer, Resident Evil Revelations on the Wii U. Yeah. 
I just had a really, really good time with this game, and I wasn't expecting to have such a good time with this game. I love playing the Wii U first and foremost, so to have any like decent game on the Wii U is is already a, a leg up. But to play a game in a series that I haven't been a huge fan of in a very long time, like since Resident Evil 4 and 5, it really drew me back into the franchise, and I'm hoping to play more Resident Evil games because of it. So it had like a really big impact on me. And you get to play as Jill in a wetsuit for most of the game. So there's that. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So the best game that I played outside of the playthrough in 2019 was What Remains of Edith Finch. I really enjoyed this game. I know, Sean, you enjoyed it too, right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because this was one of the ones that, uh, do I go with this one? Yeah, so I'm glad you picked <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, for those of you who are not fans of, you know, I, I guess, what would be called a walking simulator, which this kind of is, there, there is some interaction in it, but the story is just is captivating, it's great, much like Hellblade. It's very impactful, and you take away a lot from this game. I just enjoyed it. It was just a nice, relaxing thing to play. You know, I I didn't feel any anxiety. No controller-throwing incidents like I had in some of our other games. (laughs) Yeah, just a fun game, and uh, I highly recommend it. How about you, Doug? Best game outside of the playthrough? I was just looking at my list. I'm like, I know I beat a lot of games. Let me see how many. I got 120 games in this year. Nice. That's ridiculous. Very nice. Uh, But I was debating back and forth because... I had the Shining Force 3, Scenario 3. I did finish that the beginning of this year, but most of that gameplay was done in 2018. So I, I knocked that off the list. What I ended up choosing was mainly because I've had a blast playing it with my daughter, and it's something that she can play with me. You know, she has CP, so it makes it a little bit hard for her to find a game that she can really enjoy. But uh, Lego City Undercover, for the uh, we've been playing on the Xbox One. Nice. We would have played on the Wii U, but that's not a two-player. They made it a two-player on everything else after the Wii U. It has fun humor like the Lego games. You have the open world, go around, do anything, hop into cars like Grand Theft Auto. So it's like taking a Grand Theft Auto game and shoving it into a, a Lego game. It's just good fun. If you If you haven't played it, I suggest giving it some time. The Wii U one it has some more interaction in it. So, like, you use the Wii Pad to kind of do searches around the city for um, sounds and people. When you do it on any of the other consoles, it's just a click of a button and moving an analog stick. So, if you aren't planning on playing a two-player, try it on the Wii U. But if you want to play a two-player more, grab it on anything else. Definitely worth the play. Uh, we 100%ed it. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Nice. All right, Krabby. What's the best game you played outside of the playthroughs in 2019? So I agree with Jeff Keeley. I think Sekiro Shadows Die Twice was the best game I played this year. I like Dark Souls. I don't love Dark Souls. Sekiro like took everything that makes me not love Dark Souls out of it and just stripped it down. It's very basic. So the combat is perfect, and I never have to worry about new weapons and armor and stuff you just you get what you get at start and that's all you get you just get good with that i i like that kind of gameplay i like the japanese mythology 
The huge, crazy boss fights are always really, really good in those games. The branching stories for good. I, I had to keep replaying it until I platinumed it because I just had so much fun with it. I didn't want to put it down. Um, and like Detroit earlier, like it's really stuck with me still, but not so much story-wise, more just those those battles and those events. Like It's like a really craving going back to revisit them. Nice, man. All right, so our next category is one that I added this year specifically because of the NES challenge that we did on the so side. So sweet, thanks. <laughs> and that is, what was the favorite game you played during the NES challenge? All right, Sean. Yep, so there's only one game with my name on it, and that would be Dragon Warrior. Uh, it's a good one, yep, though. I yeah, was very proud to be able to stake my claim on that on that title and that's my favorite and only game that i played for the nes challenge he, he pushed through that game fast to be the first one to beat yeah. that one <laughs> i remember that he wanted his name beside that <laughs> which is really awesome i know that game has a special place in your heart sean so yep. that was really cool man uh for me the best game that i played um so you burned through a lot early in the year you did a whole bunch <laughs> Yeah, I did like 35 at the beginning of the year, just going back to some that I was very familiar with and I knew I could beat. Um, One game that I always loved and I just wanted to go back and see if that love for the game was still there was uh, Rygar. That was the most fun that I had with a NES game during that challenge. I I love Rygar and um, there's some things that I figured out about it that I didn't know when I was a kid and that was... You can collect these stars, and once you get so many, it's like an RPG. You go into your menu, you can either upgrade your weapon, you can uh, upgrade your health, or later on you can actually get a vial of medicine or fill up your entire life bar. I just think that that is just such a cool thing to have in a game, to have these sort of RPG elements. Now, I would never call it one. Uh, it's more like an action platforming game. But uh, I tell you, I like it even better than the arcade version because this is somewhat an arcade port. It was an arcade machine, but in the arcade version, you just move from left to right the whole time. But in this one, there's an element of exploring where you can go down ladders and, you know, go down ropes and things like that, go into caves and stuff. And uh, I I just loved it because I remembered all the, um, you know, the shorter ways to go in these levels. And uh, yeah, it, it was just a really cool experience to play that game again. All right, Doug, how about you? What was your favorite game you played in the NES Challenge? I finished a couple of really good ones. I was debating between Dragon Warrior 3 and um, Gargoyle's Quest 2. And uh, I went with Gargoyle's Quest 2 because of just the difference of gameplay. You know, you had your, your action levels. The best way to describe it, if you haven't seen it, it's kind of like a polished version of uh, Zelda 2. You know, you had your open world, open area where you're walking around and trying to figure out the puzzles. And then you'd go into the level, which was a side-scrolling. Now the side-scrolling areas is more precision jumping, a lot of really interesting puzzles because you'd have to figure out, okay, why can't I finish this stage? You have to go by and find, oh, I can get a higher jump or a, I can hover more or get a better fireball. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game more than I thought I would. Uh, so... Uh, and that is the only 
game I've beaten out of that series. <laughs> I've not beaten the first one on the Game Boy. I've not beaten the one. I've not beaten the original games. They're all very hard. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I I put a lot of time into this. That's for sure. I bought the virtual console version on the uh, 3DS so I could put more time into it because I I didn't have enough time to sit there and play it on the television. Mm-hmm. But that was a really good game. Um, Dragon Quest though was really nipping at its toes or Dragon Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> nice man. All right, Krabby. I'm sure your list is very long. So uh, which one did you have to narrow it down to? Since you guys were bragging up numbers, I beat 116 just NES games last year. <laughs> no other systems Very included nice, in that. sir. And all the ones I played were new to me, um, so I tried to pick things that other people weren't going to step on our toes, Like, so I let people have the Dragon Warriors and the Marios and Mega Man and all that. So one of the coolest ones I played last year was Wizardry, Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord. <sighs> and I... I have a really hard time getting into those really old first-person dungeon anything, any kind of games. But once you've, like, invested and you've started to map things out and you've got some spells, like, you you have a lot of fun with them. And that one, I even had an error at the very end of the game. You get this item and you're supposed to put in some coordinates and work back to the start. And so all I had to do is put the right numbers in and get the ending. And I put the wrong numbers in and killed my whole party. And they were not recoverable because they were in a wall somewhere so i had to start the whole game over again and do the whole thing that i had just done and it's like a long rpg so as frustrating as that was i still have really fond memories about that and it feels like a a triumph for for beating such a hard game and such an obscure old title and it's it's really cool just to see all those like rpg elements where they kind of formed and and into the games that i love nowadays so that, that was my favorite one that i played last year for the nes Nice, man. I remember following that on the forums when you were talking about that game, and I'm like, I can't believe he's going back to this game after after that, but that's, <laughs> that's awesome, man. I know you got that far, and you just gotta, you feel like you just gotta finish it out and beat it, so. I, and I figure if I if I do it now, it's fresh, I can do it faster than if I wait and have to relearn everything in a couple months kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so our last category is uh, one we'll only get to do every ten years, and that is what was your favorite game of the decade? This is from 2010 to 2019. All right, Sean, you're first. Yes. So I'm glad this says favorite and not best because my favorite <laughs> game of the decade I know is not the best game of the decade, or at least I don't think it is because it's an unfinished game and it does have some issues. Tony Hawk 5? <laughs> 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 um, it's actually Metal Gear Solid 5. Which many listeners know, I've, I'm still playing to this day. It's a game that, to me, just has unlimited, infinite replay value. I can fire it up, drop in, play a couple side missions, do a couple tweaks to my bases, go on online and mess with somebody else's base. And even when you're not playing, you're accumulating these PF points that you can use to change your staff and all this stuff like there's a lot of little tinkering you can do with the game even to this day like everything is still online uh, servers and whatnot the other thing i don't know if I, I probably mentioned this on the show before but when i first moved here to austin the first job i took was actually really horrible and i worked there for about four months and then it was so bad that i quit 
So I was unemployed for over a month and I played Metal Gear Solid 5. I bought it like it came out like the second or third day that I didn't have a job. So that game really got me through this little mini bad portion of my life where, you know, I was unemployed. So I have that memory of it as well. And just to be able to still be playing it, I think is pretty amazing. And, oh, I was looking at my stats yesterday because I (laughs) knew I would be talking about the game. So I have almost 800 hours of playtime. But one of the one of the other interesting tidbits is that like so in this game, it's supposed to be a stealth game and you're not supposed to kill a lot of people. But when I played through the main story, I did kill a lot of people. And that makes your your character snake have this like evil horn grow out of his head. And it's like, oh, you screwed up. You weren't supposed to kill so many people. But after that, I just said, screw it. And most of my play sessions are just total bloodbath massacres. And uh, I I actually have over 3,500 kills in this game. So. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, too, for a game where you're not supposed to kill people. So does your horn get longer and longer? Like, you kind of, like, look like Hellboy? Yeah, it it actually, it maxes out at a certain point, but I haven't played with Snake as my player character for, like, like, a year. I use some of the different characters that you can recruit, so it doesn't even bother me. I don't use Snake, so it's not an issue. So, Rich, what about you? I'm very intrigued. I'm, I'm intrigued of everybody's answers because yeah, we that's a big question. kind of discussing this offline a little bit. So, Rich, your game of the decade. I believe this is a game that I played last year. And when choosing my favorite, I picked it over Link's Awakening, which I had played for the first time. And I loved that game a lot. But the best game of the decade for me was Axiom Verge. Wow. I I love that game. I think it's an incredible Metroidvania. I love the style, the graphics, the music is incredible in this game. I don't know, man. I mean, as much as I love the original Metroid because I have such a history with it being the first Nintendo game I ever owned and I sunk so much time into it, man, Axiom Verge just takes it up a notch. And, uh... I don't want to say it's better than Super Metroid. I want <laughs> that heat. But, uh, <laughs> but man, it is a fantastic game. And if you haven't played it, yeah, you got to put that on your list. It's got to be on your backlog. What amazes me the most about it and, and why I really appreciate it so much, I think, is because one person created this game. Did everything. The music and the programming. All of it. That would be probably the coolest accomplishment to... Uh, have on your belt it's fantastic Uh, if you never played it try it out all right doug so this took me a while because there's been some incredible games that came out in the last 10 years but i I decided to go with the game that i've put the most time in that came out this decade and that was fallout new vegas (sighs) i don't know how to start i mean how they set up this game where, you know, at first I didn't like it because, you know, I was expecting a Fallout 3. Like, I don't want to do all this micromanaging, building my weapons and changing stuff around. That's not what I want to do. I just want to go around and kill things. But once I got into it and the story and uh, all the different characters you can meet and talk with, it was just an incredible game. I know I've put almost 350, 400 hours into it. and, And it's one that 
I'll still pick up today and, and put some more time into it just to go around and see if I can finish up some missions. Cause I, I saved it right before I made any major decision. So like I can pick up the game now and still decide if I want to go with house or NCR or the Legion. I'll never lose that save. I hope it's such a fun game. If, if you've not put a lot of time into it and uh, get to know the factions and the characters in it. That's awesome. Very good choice. Excellent game. Good choice. Nice, man. All right, Krabby. How about you? Favorite game of the decade? Favorite game of the decade is one that you crapped on earlier, unfortunately. (laughs) Shovel Knight is my favorite game of the last 10 years. (laughs) Wow. I adore everything about it. I've played through it so many times, both by myself and in the co-op mode with my son. We listen to the soundtrack constantly when we're in the kitchen or in the car. All the expansions they've put out have blown my mind. I haven't played the newest one yet, but it is like on my radar. I got to get it soon. Every inch of this game is a delight for me, and it, it blends these new modern um, game design ideas into that old retro stuff that I love um, so well that it's just I never get bored playing it, and I always have fun no matter what level it is. Nice, man. I think that's one that I probably need to go back to and revisit. I think. A lot of times with video games, with movies and stuff like that, I might give it a first pass and not be impressed, but, you know, can go back and enjoy. I mean, I, I know a lot of people really, really enjoy that game. So, uh, yeah, it might be one that I have to revisit. Not everything's for everybody. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But, yeah, that game's just, it's great. I think it's great. Well, great picks, everyone. Uh, this has been fun talking about the games that we played throughout the year and, uh, you know, uh, discussing some of our favorites over the decade and for the Nintendo as well. All right, Sean, it's time to get into announcements. We're going to tell you what we're playing in January and in February of 2020. That's right. So by the time you hear this, you should be playing or have already played Star Fox, Star Fox 2, and Star Fox 64. Now, yes, that's three games, but the first two games can be beaten in under an hour and the Star Fox 64 is about an hour if you just play straight through it. Actually, Star Fox 2, you can beat it in about 20 minutes. Uh, It can be a very short game. So we bundled these together because of that, but it's cool to be able to play this series. It's our first time taking a look at it. It's one that's very special to me, and it's a good retro series to be taking a look at. Yeah, we've already got a lot of people signed up for this one. We always try to do a heavy hitter at the beginning of the year to start it off, right? Yeah. All right, so in... You say that, and you picked Lunar Nights this year. (laughs) I was going to say it. I'm glad you did. Yeah, we screwed up that year. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And for February, we're going to be playing an RPG... Not your standard RPG, of course, but this one is South Park, The Stick of Truth. I have never played this game, but it looks like it'll be a lot of fun. I love RPGs, and I told Sean I wanted to play an RPG at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, this is one that's been on our list for probably a few years now, right? Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, and it's an Obsidian game, so... Obsidian could make a watching grass grow simulator and I would jump on the chance to play it. So (laughs) I don't care that it's South Park, which I'm not the hugest fan of. I'm excited to play one of their games. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think the humor is going to be outstanding in this and I'm really, really looking forward to it. 
so yeah, I hope you guys can join us. And once again, uh, thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm honored you asked me to be on your year-end show. It's really cool. Thank you. We'll keep playing, and you might get an invite to come back again. So where can we find you guys on the internet? Doug, do you have anything you want to plug or any handles you want to give out? Well, I am boring, so Dougly007 is my handle everywhere. So uh, don't hack my stuff. No. Now, I've been working on my Saturn collection and playing through that, but it's been on a hiatus. Uh, I think I posted it on the site. Uh, I'm going to plug it again just because it's a freaking lot of money that we need to worry about. We're working on getting uh, a new lift van for our girls. So uh, we have a GoFundMe set up to help with it because the uh, the county will put the lift on the van, but they require you to buy a new van. And with two wheelchairs, you can't get a minivan. So we're looking at a full size vehicle, which they're like forty five grand after taxes. So it's a lot of money. So I have that out there. So if you uh, want to donate, I believe that post is still up on the site. If not, I will give it a bump. Um, that's mainly where I'm working on right now. Uh, but that's it uh, to to whine about my stuff. But yeah, that's what I'm doing <laughs> mostly right now. Is uh, when I get a chance, I will play my uh, Saturn collection, and mostly I'm. Working on uh, getting this stuff ready for the girls for this summer. Cool, man. Well, best of luck to you on that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right. Where can people find you, Krabby? Uh, on RF Generation as Crabmaster2000, where I hang out and mostly talk about Nintendo games. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at Kelsey Polnick at Twitter, where I also talk about Nintendo games, sci-fi <laughs> movies, Batman... And I write uh, reviews for a website called VG Charts with a Z on the end or a Z. Um, if you want to check out some of my thoughts on games coming out in the next little while. And also a co-host of the Collector Cast, right? We don't have anything in the pipeline right now, so we probably will put one out in 2020, but we'll see. <laughs> you, you guys are the biggest teases. You come back and, oh, we've recorded all these episodes. Check them out. And... <laughs> One comes out three months late, and now there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's our style. Hey, yeah, just leave yeah. them wanting more. We're the Star Wars of podcasts. You get one every ten years, and you will <laughs> like it regardless of the quality. <laughs> this is gonna be torture before it's alive. Just that make it crazy.
And that will do it for our final episode of 2019. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks once again to Dougley007 and Crabmaster2000 for joining us on the show. In January, we'll suit up in our furry costumes and take to the skies as we check out Star Fox 1 and 2 for the Super NES and Star Fox 64 for the Nintendo 64. These titles are available on various Nintendo platforms as original titles, virtual console reissues, and Nintendo Switch Online offerings, so check your nearest Nintendo device for availability. Be sure to log on to the forums at rfgeneration.com, and we'll see you next time on the Playcast. Basketball, bow. I'm the baby. That's my mommy. That's my daddy. We're all sharks. That's my grandma. Can't forget about grandpa. Oh, that's my family. Yeah. And we're all sharks. Mama, 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 mama,